Welcome to the Maestro Movie Podcast. <laughs> oh my gosh, that took a lot out of me. That's what she Indeed. said. <laughs> oh my gosh. Woo! Jump down on it. Woo! Yeah. We are in a grand, like, I, would you guys consider this a major big sweater that we're doing this series when we're doing it? Yeah. Not, oh, for sure. Yeah, not only that, right before you got on the phone, I was literally telling them that not only are we doing these Batman movies when the new one comes out, we will be landing on Batman Returns, a movie, god damn it, a movie with Batman, Catwoman, and Penguin in it. The and day, The week, the week movie with Batman, Catwoman, and Penguin comes out. And then <laughs> the next week, yes, a movie with Riddler we're doing has the movie Riddler in it too. So yes, it's as pink sweater as it gets in terms of the movie relating to universal movie type shit. Think of all, think of all the series that are on that wheel. We could have landed on any one of those. Yeah. I feel like that's NSA though. I feel, I feel like that's our NSA. <laughs> like, guys, like it's just I'm I'm kind of I also work at Warner Brothers. I gotta do it. I'm John Travolta. We are uh, <laughs> we are going to be reviewing um, Tim Burton's Batman movies. Joel Schumacher Batman. As well. Um, we're starting out with, uh, Burton's first Batman, Batman, Bat- or as, <sighs> I lost my train of thought. Batman 1989. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Party like it's 1999. Um, gosh, I missed listening to Prince. Um, so. I listened to this past couple weeks. <laughs> So, um, we're doing that. So then that'll be the next four weeks of our lives. And then we'll spin the curiosity. Indeed, we will. Curio- yes, we will. Oh, man. I've been, I've been, I've been writing down and taking mental notes of potential curiosity and bad movies. Because I have found a few just Ooh. in my, just in my searching this, uh, these last few weeks. But! I like, I like you keeping your eye out. But news. Well, for one so, thing, surprisingly, not much has happened. A lot of cool. All right. Well, I hold on. Hold three on, hold on. I can think of three big things. Well, I guess there's one that I want to talk about particularly. Go. We got a trailer in the last two weeks. Not just any trailer. A trailer by the one, the only, Mr. Sam Raimi. Oh, madness. For Dr. Swans and the Multiverse of Insanity. Nope. Madness. It's madness, man. That doesn't... What are you doing? That's insane. That doesn't seem fair. (laughs) And and I'm only going to say this now. We have Patrick Stewart looking at Spider-Man and saying this. What? I am the first MCU movie now. Oh, <laughs> uh, I am the first MCU crazy movie. Crazy meme. What a crazy times do we live in. That. Yes. Uh, yeah, so we got the good luck. Hey, Alex. <laughs> yeah? 
I think we're seeing Strange Supreme. We also could be seeing Zombie Strange. That's true, but either way. <laughs> no, you know what? I Sam Raimi would do it. He would do it. He'd well, probably do both, truthfully. I think uh, it's more likely that it's the bad Strange. That it's the end. Like, we, what we see in the trailer is Strange going to see him, and he's like, things just got out of hand. My guess is he runs away from that meeting, and he probably ends up seeing... I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of this movie is him literally hopping from one dimension to another. And it's like a road movie of dimensions. And he sees him for a little bit, and then he sees that stuff and goes. Like, it seems like it's going to be a small cameo rather than be the main one. But actually, you know what? I got it right in front of me right now. Let me take a look. I, he's got the tentacle monster. They're going through her eye. Wants he said it was a road out. movie, so I can't help but make the joke. Um, <laughs> the, to be honest, Come on with me, baby. We're going to, the, we're going to Earth 34. It's really hard to say because it it obviously could be the evil one but he does have the face of someone who looks like they're dead so it's very hard to say so but it, um yeah. there's a couple other things we saw uh we got a poster with it where we saw some things if you look in the sharded glass uh peter we might be seeing some captain carter yeah man got that we shield also might be seeing some monica rambo or sure, oh, possible. Or a Tom Vermont. Cruise Iron Man. The Tom Cruise Iron Man is like based off of rumors that are possibly out there. The it's more of a, at least okay. So the Ultron robots point to the probability that Iron that this is a universe where Iron Man succeeded with his Ultron deal, and there's a superior Iron Man who's part of the Illuminati, and we see the Illuminati there. But as for the woman that is the the being that is fighting Scarlet Witch. Uh, at is what is most likely the um, Illuminati's headquarters, that explosion that she def- deflects. That is either Monica, who has is like fully in their universe, got all the powers, or it's her mom. It's one of the two. That is more likely than anything else for that scenario. As for the uh, Iron Man robots, yeah, Iron Man's probably there, and it would be cool if it was somebody else other than uh, Robert Downey Jr., but also, it would be cool if it was the guy that was supposed to have been Iron Man in that first movie until he dropped out and it became Robert Downey Jr., Tom Cruise. That would yeah. be cool. Uh, we also see Defender Strange in that trailer, which is a uh, Doctor Strange design that we saw in the Defenders series for a while. Um, yeah. We see uh, um, Kat, the Miss Marvel use her star power for the first time, probably. Yep. Uh, we hear... Uh, Patrick Stewart. We yeah. don't see him. We hear him. We we certainly see. Uh, dome. We see the back of someone's mostly hairless head, and it's his. Uh, we, it's his we hear a voice that sounds a lot like him. Um. Yeah, and it it's very interesting. I'm intrigued to see where this goes. It's very crazy looking. There's a lot of rumors rolling out about what this is, too. What, what's going on with this movie, so... I think it's a wacky love story. Yeah, it's a wacky love story. I love it. If um, it's not Tom Cruise, it could also be a different version of Vision or Ultron in Vision's body, like we got in What If. And if that's the case, then that might add some interesting... Uh, 
ideas for uh, Scarlet Witch as she sees Vision. There's um there was a really out in her universe. I'd like to I'd like for them to save the her reunion with Vision for that dude. Well, it wouldn't be a reunion. It'd be like, oh, you're not Vision. So there's yeah. Um, in the time she physically sees Vision in any capacity, I'd want it to be the white one that got all of his powers at the end of Long Vision. Yeah. Like members. Uh, I'm sorry, members. You're all good. Um, there's also a really interesting thing I saw the other day about how we all we all know Marvel likes to lie in their trailers and they cut shit out. Uh, Spider-Man No Way Home being the most um, how should I put it uh, obvious? Recent, well, recent one. Um, a thing that we're t- that people have been talking about is that scene at the very beginning of the trailer where Strange wakes up in his bed. That maybe the thing that's cut out is like uh, known women that he's sleeping with and. Uh, a lot. One that people are really calling out is, um, oh God, what's her name? Rachel McAdams. No, 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 no. Uh, what does she play in the movie? It's it's a new character. Just give me a minute. Uh, I forgot what the character's name is. Betty White. Yes, Betty White. Um, Last role. Oh God. While you're, doing, while you're doing that, I will say in that scene where the camera spins around, two interesting things. A, when Strange wakes up, he has white streaks in his hair, which he doesn't have in our world. And B, he, his, his hands are fine. His hands yes. don't shake. No problems with them. It's a different Strange. Yeah. Yeah. Not enough stalling time. Hey, it's a different Strange. Well, also um, the zombie Strange could oh, also yeah. be... Um, I heard it could also be Defender Strange, and yeah. the, only, the only way to stop the the dark universe from bleeding into their universe would be, you know, fight fire with fire, and he like gets consumed by the darkness in order to stop the darkness. That's, That's cool. why he's like starts to change in the trailer, and he's looking at his hand, and his face starts to like get all messed up, and then he has like, you know, the twenty skeleton arms come out of him, like we saw. Uh, I like it. That could also be. Um, like that the most. I I can't figure out the character, but uh, it's a character that's associated with Doctor Strange in the comics. Last time we saw this character, they were in a Ghost Rider comic, uh, working with Doctor Strange. Uh, it's actually my favorite Ghost Rider series. That we've Satan. Ever... <laughs> You're funny. Women, the Satan is a woman. Oh, you man. Yes. Um, it's, uh, get out of here. Um, uh, it's, um, shit. It's shit? Why would they yes. put shit in it? We haven't even seen the movie. Regard, regard, okay, so while, while Zach's looking that up, what do you guys think? I don't even care. I just I just can't wait for Sam Raimi to shake things up. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for the... For the like inception level of craziness that we got in the first one, but this time it's through universes. So before it was like cities, buildings, and stuff falling in, and in No Way Home we got that too. But this is now like space and warping and going into new new realms, like um, just like uh, 
the Spider-Verse, how the, there's like different animation styles. There's probably going to be some form of that. You know, maybe maybe some people are like different colors. Like there's a purple Doctor Strange or some shit. I don't know. But uh, I, I'm just really excited for the visuals because we got some amazing, amazing visuals in Eternals. Just the scope of everything that I think this is going to dial it up even more because it's, there's more to it than Eternals. Eternals is kind of like space travel going going to different places. And then, um, you know, that big that big red robot man was like caused a black hole and like evaporated away. That was so cool. We're probably going to get stuff like that, but more more like magical and whimsical, I think. I want to know the context of covering Scarlet Witch in blood like that. And what, what the discussion was with Disney about that. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm sure Disney said, Sam Raimi, you're really good at your job. We're going to let you do whatever you want. <laughs> I think this is going to be more scary. It's going to have a lot of horror film elements to it, I think. It's, it's not even just a lot of blood on her. The blood seems to be hurt. There's actually a lot of black blood on her. So I well, feel they like got to send. Oh, yeah. I think she killed, she kills somebody. Who's got something inside? Maybe the Ultrons. I don't know, but she does something that causes a lot of something to get on her. So like she wreaks havoc in That's that. That's what she said. Uh, nicely done. I'm still though, so I don't know. I would say. <laughs> I would say though <laughs> that uh, but that whole Illuminati scene really interests me. Who is who's going to be in it? Does she kill them all? And um, uh, what happens? <laughs> Uh, one thing that new one. It's <laughs> <laughs> these big reveals. Oh my god! It's, it's Tom Cruise. But, Holy shit! Yeah, it's Captain like, Carter. Just two things. Okay. Dead. 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 So uh, one small thing to relate to this scene that I want to talk about too. When because New Rockstars pointed this out, <laughs> the eye that she's zooming in on already, like when she has the blood on her and you zoom in on her eye, there's two cages that she's got her eyes on, which means maybe this Illuminati has captured her children. I like that New Rockstar theory. But then I also like the fact that if you look at this trailer and then compare it to the new Spider-Verse trailer, they're kind of the same thing. Except Spider-Verse isn't hiding it. Spider-Man is popping through all these different multiverses, and he's got to get his way back home. Where they, one, I think it would be a little bit more coy about it. Didn't Spider-Verse also literally confirm they're going to go into the MCU for a part of it, too? I, have not, funny. I have not looked that up. Uh, I think uh, they... Good stuff. Other, other than that, I think... I do think we're probably going to see Captain Carter. I'm so hyped for that. Uh, if it's not Tom Cruise as Iron Man, it could honestly just be like Ultron or they just got a hold of maybe Iron Man's like, you know, fucking. Uh, <laughs> what was that? What was that uh, electric dude in Shark Boy and Lava Girl? What's his name? Oh, God. I don't know. Ah. Uh. I'm saving that for the bad movie we'll win. It's like the meme. only other Robert Rodriguez uh, movie that I've seen. Hang on, let me let me see. Because uh, played by George Lopez. Yeah. Um, with the fucking screen and everything. Yeah. Oh dear God. Uh, his his name <laughs> well, is. Oh, that's going on the wheel at some point. <laughs> I think his yeah, Mister Electric. 
Is I there think electric? <laughs> if it's not Tom Cruise, it'll be Robert Downey Jr. in like a Mr. Electric outfit. And it's his face like projected onto an Ultron like droid or some shit. I was thinking like the, the floating heads of Futurama. Yeah. What if he's like transcended human life and he's like uploaded his consciousness into like an AI or something? That's totally like a Tony Stark ego move. Like, yeah. He wants I'm so futuristic. Stuff. I'm a floating head in a jar. So... Uh, Alex. Yeah. It was confirmed by Phil and uh, it was Lord and Miller during an interview that they said it very coyly, but they basically said we're probably going to see an M- a version of the MCU in it that's going to be animated. So... Well, you know. Oh, oh. For what? I think I know how they do that. Spider-Verse 2 is going to have an animated MCU in it. I know what they. I know what they're gonna do. I know what they're gonna do. They're well, probably they're probably gonna, gonna do... go into the what if universe. Yeah, that's probably it. Which by default makes it adjacent. Yep, that's that's what they'll do. You know what? Yeah. Well, do I don't them. think I don't think they have the um, because for for Marvel they only have the rights for certain Spider-Man suits in mcu movies so that's why what if had a different suit and everything it couldn't be the exact same suit that we saw on the big screen so it might be the same thing where they like make something look really close to an mcu suit but they can't legally do that because of right. the bullshit that's going on with sony and marvel and then you know Sony's I mean, hanging on for also, your life marvel might also say you know what we like the idea of putting the best Spider-Man movie period as part of our thing and just getting to wreak all the benefits of that too. Yeah, I, it would be pretty crazy if we saw like if we saw um Toby in Multiverse of Madness like it's just a little cameo or some shit. I I would I would laugh. It'd be it'd just be for us, man. It's just Sam Raimi. He's back. And he and he's with Toby Maguire. <laughs> yeah, I what they showed us in the trailer was bananas, man. And it, it was the same exact thing that happened with uh, with the Spider-Man movie. You know, we, we were trying to pick it apart, but we weren't expecting everything that happened in that movie. So I think that's it's going to be the same for um, this Doctor Strange movie. This is just the tip of the iceberg. Like... the it's we're gonna get our minds blown. It's gonna change a lot of stuff. This is the one that they've been leading to for a while. I mean, I I'm pretty sure I said it two, three years ago that everything Marvel's done post Endgame was gonna be leading to this movie. And... Yeah, we're probably gonna get um mutants. That's probably what Doctor Doctor uh Doctor X. <laughs> yeah, talk to Professor Xavier is probably going to say that like we we got to be you know let's let's stop uh fibbing around here there's uh there's these people called the mutants right and they are just kind of like born with this sort of thing and dr strange is like what what's born <laughs> why why are you why are you hiding this from us? because we've all gotten used to no mutants in the mcu and so that's probably going to be this movie is probably going to be like yeah that's not normal you you uh, got used to it, but it's that's not normal. They should have been here, but they're not for a reason, for some reason. And we're gonna change that. So 
I it just it opens it it opens up just a gigantic can of worms. Like, are we eventually, eventually? I mean, I'm talking years, like a decade from now, we'll be getting like mutant X Men movies that are in the MCU, like a, a recast of Wolverine. All these people. It it'd be it'd be amazing. It'd be it'd be pretty amazing. We could also even see you know some sort of Deadpool cameo in this. Dude, if I why I not? Swear to God, I will eat my shoe if Ryan Reynolds is in this movie. I don't think Ryan. <laughs> I don't think Ryan Reynolds is in this. I think it's a possibility, and I also know for sure that his next movie is in the MCU. So, and rated R. So like, it's a possibility. Really? Yeah. He's huh. very adamant about keeping Deadpool rated R. I respect that. So All it'll right. probably be under Fox then, huh? Probably. It'll it'll probably start streaming on Hulu. So, do Hulu? we have any other news that we want to talk yes. about? Yes, yes, yeah, there's some news. Okay. Um, uh, what do you got? Because I don't really got anything. Zach's pregnant. No, oh no. <laughs> well, let me tell you something, Alex. Alex, Alex. Yes, I am. And well, it's Chris's baby. <laughs> I just want to. That was so out. out of nowhere. Alex? <laughs> that joke before. That's a, that's a rough No, joke. you Alex? just you were gonna Alex? say something. Oh my god. Ugh. It's Chris's baby. It's not. It's not. He's denying uh, it. He doesn't want, want to, to admit it. I want you to prove it. I'll go on Mori Povich and dance on your ass. I, I think, first of all, <laughs> it has to be mine. How much love we show each other is immense. But, you know, <laughs> this baby in spirit. No, it's not. It's fine. But still, uh, no, that's no, a joke I've done. It's a joke I've done before. Two things. Two things. Um, a Ivan Reitman died. Which one? Oh, yeah. The, the, the guy who did Ghostbusters. Oh. The guy who did Ghostbusters. Uh, God, he's done a lot more than that. Stripes. Um, I believe he Space did. Uh, uh, he did not do Space Jam. Um, and his son. He, he was a producer on Space Jam. He did not direct it, though. He's not well known for that. Ivan Reitman is part <laughs> of uh, <laughs> the National Lampoon's magazine crew. Those guys. He helped with. Kindergarten uh, Cop. He's made some funny Schwarzenegger movies as well. He's made some bland movies, but like he was, he's he was amazing. He made some amazing eighties comedies, and um, he was a big part of my life too. But Ivan Reitman gone, sad. Um, I'm glad he got to see his son make a Ghostbusters movie before he left. I didn't see it, but whatever. Um, the second one is the Oscars cut a lot of shit from their telecast, and a lot of shit that matters, and people got pissed. And I'm pissed too. And some like uh, I I I don't know if it's to cut an hour and to save time, but like I'm not there for the pattern and shit. I'm there to watch people who make these movies win awards. So <laughs> a lot of them they cut score, they cut editing, they cut right. a lot um, for timing. I guess I think they they're to think they have to the, make room the, for all the musical guests. The Oscars problem, in my opinion, is that they are trying to still – they still think that they live in a world where the Oscars telecast is for everyone and should be aimed for everyone when no. It should be aimed for people who like movies. Put that shit on YouTube. Make it an all-day fucking thing. We will watch it. We'll watch everything. 
just stream it on YouTube and like make us paid. Like that's all you have. They're old, to do. dude. They're old, crusty men. They're not gonna understand what YouTube is. They're finding out the fucking YouTube is fucking old, man. This is like they should be finding out a it's way to. Fifteen out years old. It's not even legal. They should figure out how to give people words on TikTok if they were going to be goddamn pros about it these days. But no, you need to be a little bit behind the times, but ahead, not 50 years behind the times. So, like, that shit is crazy to me. They are old, crusty men, so. Editing to be of the same caliber as, like, the technical words they've been handing out off air already. That's not, they don't even give ones to stunts. So this, it, it pisses me off because the whole point is to just see people win. For the yeah. work that they and to give recognition to to movies and the and more now people, they can't they, even do that can't even do that and and the worst part is we don't even get to see it they don't even <laughs> air the one that they don't air already for online shit we should it's be able so to, dumb but they don't so that to me is a big step backwards in terms of like the televised aspect of it but you know if people win you still get the clown of an Oscar whatever but. <laughs> That was really dumb. It was a bad move, and people thought it was stupid. And then, um, God, what was the third one? Uh, uh, it was really, really big. Putin invaded Ukraine! And we'll probably see some movies about that in about 10, 15 years from now. So I'd say make yep. the mark for that. Sh- no, Sean Penn is already making a documentary. He's in Ukraine right now. K is stuck over there. It's just like the shitty movie Ishtar. I want to put Ishtar on the bad movie wheel just so we can compare it. To fucking Louis C.K. being stuck in Ukraine, um, it's a, it's, I don't, it's, I don't, it's not a political thing. It really is genuinely a thing that's happening in the world. We should mark it, and then later <laughs> down the line, when they start making movies about this shit, uh, we'll have some history to it. That's it. Yeah. Uh, there's, I guess one one thing uh, that I saw. There's. Uh, some toys and one Lego set of Thor Love and Thunder that is coming uh, out. Some goats! We see some goats! Um, and so I'm assuming that we are probably going to get Thor Love and Thunder, a Thor Love and Thunder trailer, like, this week. Hell, it could honestly be tomorrow, considering our luck with this sort of thing. Okay. I'll, yeah, it could be this week, and I was wondering. I will toss, I'll toss something in the in that vein. Um... The Obi-Wan Kenobi TV show has activated a Twitter account. Uh, yes, it has. You can't see anything on it yet. It's in the works. It's in okay. the works. So that could come this week. Wow. That's that's a lot of Disney marketing. Uh, <sighs> that's... Okay, so that that would be that would be two huge things in in one. I don't know. I think Obi Wan Kenobi might take a little bit longer than than this week, but I have high hopes for Thor: Love and Thunder. I know that we're gonna get the um, we're gonna get Gore, the God Butcher. We're gonna get that symbiote sword. I keep forgetting it's called a black sword or the something. Parasite blade. Parasite blade. That is the first I've ever heard of that whatever you want to call it um i think that's probably going to tie into venom for somehow i don't know adrenaline you know, momentum that I, that little that little piece of venom was left was left out when uh when he skedaddled like, to the Sony i can't universe, even so. i can't even figure out how that even works but i'm not even gonna 
Uh, when no. I think about it, I get a headache, but I can't. I, uh, I, I believe can't it's called the. It. I lied. It's not the Parasite Blade. It's the Evan Blade, I believe, is what it's called. No, 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 no. Zach, you were close. It's called the Oscar Wind Parasite Blade. No, I'm sorry. It's the Necro Sword. <laughs> Thank you. All Necro black. Sword. The Necro Sword. Uh, uh, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, so, there, there was also pictures of of uh, him on set. Uh, uh, Bale, uh, and he was like all dressed in white and stuff. Yeah, I, I wonder if he, we're gonna get some sort of like. If it's going to be a full, like, CGI cover-up, like Thanos or that, the guy who looked like Squidward. I forgot his fucking name. It was Thanos' it's... little, like, little bitch. Ebony bitch Maw? Boy. Yeah, Ebony Maw. Uh, uh, it could be something like that, or it could be something like Voldemort. <laughs> or he just <laughs> doesn't have a nose or some shit. <laughs> I don't know. It, it could be either one. I well, in fairness, he doesn't have a nose in the comics. Yeah, he, he, I, I went on um, Christian Bale's Instagram beca- or uh, Taika Waititi's Instagram because oh. I was I was trying to see like if they're when the trailer was going to come out. Like I was maybe seeing like if the if Taika was like here wait wait this week guys or something. But no, it was there was a funny behind the scenes video uh, where. Uh, um. Chris Chris Hemsworth is sitting in the chair and he's like getting his makeup done and it was like some birthday post and it said that it took 13 hours 13 hours I completely forgot about that side of the acting business you get through all this makeup 13 hours you're not going to bed sweetheart you're gonna go (laughs) and do your fucking job he also, he also went to the Super Bowl for what it's worth. Some people can also if they're process. <laughs> what you say, Alex? Some people, if they're lucky, can sleep through some of that makeup process. Yeah, for him though, it was all on his face, so I, I doubt it. But thirteen there, hours, there one... the secret soldiers of mascara. Bruh, there was a comment, and, they, and this chick was like, why does he look so tired? And all the comments, like, she just got spammed. It's like, why the, it took him 13 fucking hours. Why do you think he's tired? <laughs> he has to act now. Is he's it like done. 13, is it 13 hours altogether? Is it 13 hours straight to get that makeup on him? It just said 13 hours. Like, that hair is fake. He's got, like, the scars and whatnot. I'm going to so, guess all. I guess like all together. So I don't I, know if if uh, Christian like, Bale is gonna be for you know you know, like sitting down for thirteen hours and like doing something. I know he's committed. Like he'll get fat and skinny for a role and whatnot. But he might just be like, no, no, just cover me up, put me in a little motion capture suit or whatever. But he was on set and he was wearing the costume. So I don't know if it's just gonna be. If he's just a stand-in, that's usually what they do. They have, like, the person in costume there. And then when they are uh, in post-production, they just, you know, replace him and just use him as reference. I I don't know what it's going to be, but I'm interested to see what he'll look like. Because we've gotten a lot of Christian Bale just in various roles where he just changes himself physically for the role. So I don't think we've gotten much of him translated into like a cgi character other than like what is it called mowgli yeah yeah mowgli 
and he was like a cat. I don't fucking know, man. I never yeah. watched that. But that would be that would be multiverse of madness, right? Which is all this crazy space stuff, and then Thor: Love and Thunder with all this crazy space stuff. Like that's all we're mm-hmm. gonna get now in Marvel, just crazy space stuff. It's awesome. I'm so hyped. Yes, that's it. Thanks for having me. <laughs> that's all my news. That's all that's I got. All I got. Ow. All right. Things we watched. What do we do? Things we watched. I want to go first. I I'm I'm Jones in the talk. I'm uh, I'm sure you do. So, I got on a kick this week. I oh, I'm so sorry. You, see, you you need to like. You need to get checked in, dude. Yeah, yeah. Go get help. Uh, I back. got really, I got really obsessed with a, a director this week, so I looked a lot at their catalog. So much so that I sent Alex some stuff, <laughs> and and I sent it to Alex specifically. Uh, Heck, as fuck you guys. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, I went back and really watched a few video essays, a couple movies of one of my favorite anime directors of all time. Mamoru Hosoda, the director of a movie on the on the Good Wheel, better known as Summer Wars. Is it Wars of Summer. As... It's February. I know. Is it known as anything else? No. <laughs> well, it might. I don't know what the Japanese name is, but it's February. How are you talking about summer right now? Red uh, it is in <laughs> in in Japan. It's called Sama Wozu. There you go. Anywho. Oh, that one. Yes. Yeah. Summer Wars. Um, so I got on a kick. I watched a bunch of video essays and I sent Alex two of them. <laughs> and I completely forgot how awesome this director was, especially with his use of the camera and color and the and his use of placement in character roles and themes and just everything about this director makes me just squeal with joy because this director is fucking awesome and is super underrepresented in Hollywood. And it hurts me so much more that he didn't get nominated for an Academy Award this year, but the Oscars is a fucking wash and I don't give a shit about them anyways. So, (laughs) 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 so fuck do I care? So, so yeah, so, so uh, (laughs) a little bit, I, I I don't know what you're trying to say, Alex. <laughs> tiny penis. Tiny penis, yes. Tiny penis. Oh, that you uh, care a little. Tiny, yeah, tiny penis. Um, so, uh, so Alex, you watched at least one of one of these video essays. I know you wanted to watch the other one. You didn't quite get to it. Uh, I had fears about watching it, and I did use my eyeballs to stare in the direction of the other one. Uh, what what did you? Th- think of that video essay that i sent you thought it was great um (laughs) uh the guy obviously had a passion for the director and um considering he paid an hour and a half video later yeah um he seems to make very good videos i would highly check out his channel i don't i don't remember the name but i really did like it um but the video itself was talking about how the director mostly uses the camera uh for still life shots um, and then when he does move the camera, it's extremely purposeful. It has meaning and it accentuates the impact despite uh, not really pay, uh, taking time to 
it doesn't draw focus away from the other elements of the story or the moment in general. It accentuates the moment. But if you're really looking, you can see it. But he wants you to just sort of like go into the movie. And it's a really good video that that just highlights this one element to how he tells the story very well. And uh, it made me really want, want to watch the hour and a half one. The thing is, the hour and a half one uh, talks about his entire career very in-depthly. And we have Summer Wars on there. We uh, And there's other things that I want to see from him that I don't want spoiled yet. So I by, by the way, Alex, needed to watch that video. When you and Peter do get to there eventually, he directed the first opening to Samurai Shampoo. Oh, uh, the opening scene or the first episode? The opening, like, music track. So, so you know how animes have opening songs and everything? He directed the first opening to that. Uh, it's a good opening to the show. Yes. So, um, another kind of really cool thing that he's done. He's been, he's a very talented dude. Uh, I love his use of camera. He, uh, the the guy, the hour and a half guy, described him at times as like the Wes Anderson of Japanese animated cinema, uh, just based on how he uses his characters and everything that's going on with that, and just how he wants to tell human stories in fun, interesting environments. And the dude seems to like to take the same cookie from the cook, uh, the same, in the same cookie jar three times. Cookie, because <laughs> he's functionally made the same movie three times now. <laughs> Just saying. Cookie. Summer Wars being the second of the third, three times this has happened. I'll save it. You've talked about it before. Save it for this movie. Y- yes. Yeah. Uh, I'll talk a lot more about Summer Wars when we get to that, but um. Wars of Summer. Yeah, it's it's a good movie though. I and he is a great director, and I can't wait for you guys to like really dive into this guy because this guy Sploosh. is talented. <laughs> so yeah, that's yes. my thing. I, I watched a lot of Summer that. Wars. Yes. All right. Who wants to go next? <clears throat> Peter, what do you want to do? Um, I will talk. I'll do whatever you want to do. Um, let's see, let's see. I have two options. Um, one I think I will not talk about, and the other one I think I will. Okay. The, okay. One, the one I will not talk about is Marvel. I am watching the Marvel movies in order of release with my girlfriend, Cecily. Um, uh, she's enjoying them, but uh, since we've been talking about a lot of Marvel uh, this last, um, let's see, hour and a half, I think I will not do that uh, for the sanity of my own brain. Um, so I have been <clears throat> sorry, I had a frog in my throat. I uh, started this <laughs> series on Hulu called Atlanta. Uh, it's written, mostly directed, and created by Donald Glover. Uh, oh, Childish uh, you mean Ch- Ch- Childish Gambino? Ch- 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 Childish Gambino. Yeah, you said it, Z- 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 Zach. Um, I I'm thoroughly enjoying it. I just finished uh, the first season. Uh, like I had one more episode today, uh, and I started the second season. I think I'm on. I'm on episode two of the second season, and the third season's coming out 
uh, less than a month. So it's great timing on me. Um, ultimately, I just think Donald Glover is a great writer. I, <laughs> anything he does is just good. He's just extremely talented in pretty much every medium. I mean, every medium that I've seen from him, whether it's writing or he's directing or he's acting or he's singing, whatever the hell it is. He's usually, no, he is very good at it. And this is no exception. I just like the, the, the pace of this show. It's 20 to 30 minutes each episode. They're in Atlanta. It's this guy and he's broke as shit and he's not doing very well in his quote unquote relationship. And he has a daughter and this is Donald Glover's character. And his cousin is an up and coming rapper. So he kind of, uh, becomes the manager for his cousin and that that's that's the simplest way i can describe the premise but there's lots of lots of just day-to-day shit that he has to go through and i just respect that like this last episode it was in the second season he he just walks in on like his into his cousin's place um and his uh cousin's like roommate close friend and his, like, his friend was, like, really weird to him. And he's like, what's going on, man? And he's like, I don't know. And then he talks to his cousin. And his cousin's like, what's up, man? And he's, like, really, they're really distant from each other and also Donald Glover's character. And he's like, what's, like, what's going on? And they're like, we don't want to talk about it. And that never, that never came back. And it just felt like, it just felt real. Like, you just walk into someone's place. Like, you know, sometimes people just don't get along. You had a fight with someone. And it's, like, not your business. But you can you know clearly see that something happened and i don't know i just appreciated that it just made it it made it feel like real life and it just just random just random little interesting things like that happen all the time in this in this show and it 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 makes me love it even more There's, there's other main characters in it chris but the three main people are donald glover with keith stanfield if if you know who is it, who he is these days, and then the the rapper Paperboy was just recently in Eternals. He's the tech guy. The, if I'm not the, mistaken, the guy in the game. Uh, yeah. Um. If I, I'm also if I'm also not if, I, if I'm also not mistaken, um, Donald Glover's uh girlfriend is played by Zazie Beetz from Deadpool. Domino. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Domino. She's, she's in there for sure. Luck is a superpower. It's a great cast, but it, the director is the one who also did This Is America, and they pretty much work pretty much hand-in-hand hand together, him and Donald Glover. Gotcha. Yeah. It's I, it, it's just one of those shows where it's like there, there's not a lot to it, and that's a good thing. It's just It's hot as balls in Atlanta, so the pacing is just kind of like that. They're walking. If they have to walk, they're sweating their asses off or they're inside. They're just laying on the couch. It's kind of the vibe. It's it's really it's really chill. But they also get like into some serious trouble and, you know, someone kills someone else and then they have to like deal with that. Oh, God. But uh, that that happened. (laughs) That happened once. Most importantly, once. Um, But a lot of it is just the day to day struggles with with the minority especially in Atlanta and how, how people get by. Um, 
that this uh, paper boy was doing some drug deal and he's like, and he's with his drug dealer that he's known for like 10 or something years and he's in the car and they're talking and then it just like, it just, it totally flips and his friend turns around because Paperboy is in the, in the back seat and he just, he has him on gunpoint. Paperboy was like, what's going on? He's like, I'm sorry, man. I, 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 I need this. Give me your bag. And like the whole time he's like, I'll pay you back, dude. Like, can you give me your keys though? Cause I don't want you like driving after me. And then he gets out and Paperboy's like, what the fuck is going on? It's like this, it's the chillest robbery from like your closest friend. <laughs> and then he's driving off and he has the window down and he goes up to Paperboy and he's like, I would give you a ride home too. But like, you know, you could come right back out and like shoot at me. So like, I'll pay you back. I'll pay, I'll pay you back, dude. I'm so I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And he just ditches him in the middle of just some random tunnel. <laughs> it's the best. It's just, that's, it's so good. It's so good. Um, I'm interested to see where it goes. Cause Alex, you've mentioned that there's like a very specific thing that happens, and I don't think I've seen it yet. You will know it when you see it. It's a very specific character that Donald Glover himself plays. Um, I'm not saying whether it has anything to do with the plot or anything. It's just so extravagantly weird for this show or any that Glover ended up playing him at the Emmys. He just went to the Emmys as that character. Or he hired somebody else to do it. I don't know. But it's a standout. It's just something that, like, everyone was talking about. And it's not even the best thing about this show. You know all the best things about it. You just explained them. It's just one element that's like, if you ride to this point, congratulations, you've been rewarded with something, like, unbelievably weird. And it's great. Yeah. I think that that's probably the biggest thing I respect about the show, how interesting and weird it is. Unique is probably the best way to describe it, but interesting and weird in the best ways. It's just, it's, it's something I've never seen before, honestly. Um, yeah, that's it, man. Atlanta. I'm, I'm a big fan. Uh, <clears throat> It's been a while since we've got this next season coming. I haven't finished season three just because I lost my cable on Hulu at the time. It was well, there's out. there is no season three. It's just season one and two. Season three is coming out. Four. Yesterday you said it was four. I said I wasn't sure if it was three or four, but you kept saying it was four, and then I checked today, and it was season now three is coming out. <laughs> I don't know. Then I didn't finish season. That's how long it's been. It's been forever since season three, so much so that they made Guava Island and This Is America together. So I, I'm not sure necessarily why that was the case, but it's been a while in between these last two seasons. Pandemic for sure, but like other reasons too. Mm-hmm. Mm. All right, Alex, you should go next. Uh, well, I have... Uh, a couple of things. A, I'm halfway through Peacemaker. I'm not Whoa! done. What? So, so Alex, brief. brief I, I don't know if this is the one, but if it's not, briefly, what do you think? Well, it's not the thing that I want to talk about, but oh. I, I do like it. I do like it. You ain't done yes. with it yet. I ain't done with it, but um, I could say a lot about it. Um, my my initial things I think I would say uh, A I would say um, it's better than any of the Marvel shows only because and I only say that now because they're all currently being made at the same time 
so just apt in comparison but the uh, it's uh, the more stronger comparisons would be other dc shows of course but um in in terms of quality like th they're throwing a lot of money at this versus the other dc shows they're throwing the mcu money at this um it is better than them because the specific goal is to like this character that is just the worst yeah uh, but he is examining that in the process and the great thing is the show does not start that way you already know that because of suicide squad what the show represents afterwards it, it literally begins with him examining how much of a dick he is how much of his life sucks and then it gives you everything you need to know which is not my daddy was bad it was that despite my dad's efforts to make me evil i just wanted to bring peace and yet all i know is everything my father taught me and that's an amazing character that's an amazing character journey and i'm absolutely uh, into that as i was watching it a lot of things it reminded me of a lot of things but a big one was eastbound and down and i was very very not surprised to find that the biggest creator of eastbound and down director jody hill is the co-director of the series so i was like <laughs> oh well, fuck yeah that <clears throat> makes a lot of sense now because it's very close to eastbound it's fucking very close to eastbound and down it's amazing like I, I it's shockingly close to it uh, chris i would highly suggest either righteous gemstones vice principles or eastbound and down all three jody hill things everyone's loving righteous gemstones currently um jody hill's a fucking amazing comedy director and he's very good at making you love an asshole someone who's so awful but eventually becomes a good person despite all of the terrible shitty things they have done and said um the other thing is, one of my biggest worries was uh, John Cena and just not responding to him. And I got to say, man, like, I don't really think that this show did much to. Of course, he's great. He's the best thing about the <laughs> show. The real question, Alex, is do you really, really want? Do you really want to feel it? I think that opening is great. And I love how they asked her, like, are you going to do a new opening the second season? And he's like, yeah, most of those people are dead. So I'm really looking forward to that. <laughs> That's really fun to me. Uh, I, I think the thing about that opening that I love more than anything is just the hmm. blank, like, committed to stare that Cena's doing the whole time. I don't. They're think all I, doing it. All I doing know. There, they're all doing it, and like, there's certain things that I realized and and were like a very obvious right off the bat, like. Just things that I could tell were coming a mile away, and I didn't care because I was enjoying the show. But those are the two things about that that I enjoy. I'll go further into it when I get to the end. I already know a lot of things uh, that are going to happen, but I'm enjoying what this is as a process. And a huge reason is Cena himself. He's so fucking good. Like when he goes into his bed at the end of season two and he's just like crying, punching himself. I was like, that's all I want, man. That's all I want. Is for you to recognize how awful you are and yet still go out there and be a terrible person. Like, that's a conflict I want in my superhero because you're not a superhero. You're not. You're just a guy in a fucking suit running around doing this shit in a, a world where there's a lot of people doing it. There's a lot, like, his dad's a supervillain. Yeah. But that's how they describe his father. I love it. I fucking love it. It's a lot like the old, it's a lot like Zack Snyder's Watchmen in terms of that's how they 
view themselves in the world. It's very much like how Watchmen views themselves in the comic, but uh, just with a very acid tongue to it. It's very trauma. It's a it's a it's a a lot of money that they would throw at a trauma thing. But those are the things I want. I I would love to explore more when I finish. Truck snatch. The thing I want to talk about this week uh, was the thing that caught my attention the most. Um, So there's this reality TV show that's been catching the waves all over the world in that every other country is doing its own version of it. It hasn't been around that long. It's probably like four or five years old. But Mexico seems to have the most seasons. Italy has a few. Um, There's a few other countries. But I won't watch them because the subtitles aren't enough. You need to get tone and you need to understand what these people are saying every aspect of. And so the ones that I watched of it were Canada and Australia. And Peter watched them too. And what show is this? The show is called Laugh Out Loud. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, LOL. Um, I did this again. I did this again, Peter Laugh. Fuck. Um, Last one laughing. There you go. Last one laughing. And it's called LOL Last One Laughing. And the point is they take some of the best comedians within their country. They stick them in a room. And then they say, you have to not laugh for six hours. You can't smile. Oh, I know the concept. And, uh, And yeah, like if you laugh, you're out. But you have to try and make each other laugh. Uh, and the interesting thing that I really loved about this is in the Canadian one, I knew most of those people. Uh, some of the new ones I didn't. All of the vets I did. All of the vets I knew them. But uh, they are playing for charity. They're paying for $100,000 to go to whatever charity of their choosing. In Australia, I don't know any of these people. I've never seen a single one of them and can name a thing. Maybe I have, but I can't name a thing they've been in. And those people are playing for $100,000 for themselves. Huge difference. Huge. The amount of desperation in the room in Australia is insane. <laughs> Versus the amount Sorry, of... I, I'm, I'm literally watching shocking moments from it right now, and I'm just laughing about some of the shit I'm seeing. I there the the Canadian one. It's very clear that everyone in the room wants to win, but they want to win with the respect of everyone in the room. They want to be good at their jobs and have people walk out and go, "Wow, you're funny! I can't believe I laughed at that." That's the name of the game. There's walk away with your head held high as a comedian in Australia. It's walk away with a hundred thousand dollars. Like there, everyone knows each other in both of them. In Canada, in Canada, they all go on the road. They all know each other. They all go to the same clubs, and it's the same thing in Australia. But Australia is smaller, so they have an entirely different sense of humor, and they are varied and more aggressive and more immature. There's a lot of nudity and scat and scatology. Like there's, they go crazy over there, um, and all of it is again for themselves. So. Uh, it, it's really interesting to see in Canada the room they're using 
B, you know, maybe it'll get a little messy. Maybe some pizzas get spilled as a joke. Maybe take some, you know, a sandwich and throws it somewhere. Maybe some dishes get thrown from here and there. In Australia, the difference between the room at the opening is like classy speakeasy type vibe. At the end, it looks like the beginning of the hangover. It's fucking disgusting. <laughs> fucking the smell in that room must be atrocious. <laughs> So I'm going to focus mainly on Australia because Canada is not done yet. They have two more episodes left, but I will say in Canada, it's really amazing to see one specific comedian who's very young, sees all the people's heroes bombing horrifically. Not only are they not supposed to laugh, but they're just not laughing. It's, Oh, it's hard. So hard. She was not funny. Um, and she had big anime eyes, so you could see the humiliation even more so. Oh, it was great. Um, in Australia, you had a, a, a nice different group of people, interesting, varied in a lot of ways. But it was really down to two specific people. A guy who was like the Bruce Lee of comedy in the sense that whatever you were doing, he would adapt to it and make it funnier. And another guy who was so fucking insane and idiotic, his barrage Trademark. was was so abrasive like it was just onslaught of silliness and sometimes he was incredibly funny other times he was so dumb that if i was in that room i could not help but laugh at the humiliation like you laugh at how stupid it this guy this guy goes from like i'm being silly and i'm wearing a dress to i'm putting fake shit in my ass and then an hour later pulling it out and eating it in front of you like i know which guy you're talking about his name is sam but like he also has legitimately the funniest thing I've ever seen on either one of these shows in my fucking life. That if I was sitting there in that room, my first response based off the fact that I have to not laugh, but think this thing is funny would be to shut down and have a seizure. I don't <laughs> look at the, you look at the faces of these people looking at this thing. And all they can think is I, I, this is the funniest thing I've ever seen. They're in shock at how funny this thing is. And you just can't help. Like Chris, I don't think you should ever watch this thing. It's probably not for you, but no, look, I know a version of this that is from America. Uh, I don't think there's an American version that we no, know. No, there is. If you can find it, let me know literally right no, now. No, it's, but it's, uh, it's by Rooster Teeth. Like a bunch oh. of their, a bunch oh, of their right personalities. I, know I said I know a version. Like yeah, put, a bunch of their put, personalities they... do the exact same thing. Yeah, they put the harmonica, and it's all in the edit. Yeah, they put the harmonica in their mouth, and they. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I mean, does it too. I mean, like legitimately, what would it be like if you stuck Zach Galifianakis, Will Ferrell, Eric Andre in a room and told them not to laugh? What would you do if you had professional, like veteran on stage comedians? in a room trying not to make each other laugh. That's what we're talking like, like anyone who's funny in a room and try not to laugh, I agree. That's what made the Australian one funny because I didn't know these people and I saw way more of their humanity than I was ever supposed to because I wasn't blinded by my bias of their image that they presented in Australia for years. In Canada, I'm rooting for my favorites, don't know the people I don't know, don't care about them, despite the fact that they might be the dark horses that could win. They may be yeah. funnier than anyone else and i don't know but I like god i forgot how tall tom green is tom green he looks great too is, oh dude he's killing it 
I, he may not win, but he's doing some of the funniest shit, in my opinion. Peter may not agree with the grilled cheese sandwiches bit, but I do. Um, but the Australian one, there's a guy, Sam. He goes insane to the point of, like, it's fucking crazy. I, I don't know the mind that guy must have. But he, you have this thing called the Joker card. You whip it out. You grab people's attention, which means they have to look at you. So if you're doing something funny, they can't look away. They're looking at you. Um, and he puts out this little speaker and he puts up this music and it's like boop, 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 boop. And he like, he like hypes it up. He's got these curtains. Everyone's like scared because they know how fucking funny he is. And then he come out doing anything. And he pops Chris with a handmade stitched woven jacket covered in the floppiest, what like biggest dildos you've ever seen. And he just starts dancing around. He starts pulling them and tugging him like the udder of a cow. He starts sticking him in his oh, mouth. That's the Freddy got fingered Tom Green. So but that's not Tom Green. This oh, was a joke guy. Tom Green is older and doesn't do that anymore. His stuff oh. is way skilled and interesting these days. He doesn't. It's funny that my first thought was Freddie got figured when you said oh, yeah. that. Because like that is something Tom Green would have done 20 years ago. This guy is at is Tom Green's age now <laughs> and doing it now for a hundred thousand dollars. That's why he's doing it. Tom Green isn't gonna do that <laughs> shit for money for a charity. Like it's a charity, but like. He's got his pride now. This guy's like, I need to pay for my house. My kids have to go to college. I'm going to eat the fake shit in my ass. I'm going to take a bath and soda in front of you. Like, (laughs) crazy how I love Sam. The the saddest moment in the entire thing. A guy is like, he's like drinking a bunch of beer and shit. He's like, that has to be what he did in college parties. He's like, watch me drink a bunch of beer without closing my mouth. And he starts drinking a bunch, starts drinking a bunch, and he's like, hey, what if I puked in this bowl? And everyone's like, what? And he's like, I'm going to puke in this bowl. He pulls out his only Joker card. He has nothing planned, or if he did, he's bullied into pulling it out, which means he's forced to stand in front of all of these people and try to puke in front of the bowl. He's like, uh, 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 and this one woman is like, you're funnier than this. And the whole room starts to feel that because it's the right thing to say. And he shouldn't be fucking doing that. Yeah. Yeah. It was a train wreck. Not you're better than this, mm. but you're funnier than this. Which is not, not to say you're better than this is not true because no one in that room doing what they're doing is better than that. But he's funnier than that. That's not funny. That's just sad. You shouldn't walk away with $100,000 because you puked into a fucking bowl. Like, someone else finds themselves in that exact situation later in the show, and they do something funnier. And you're like, that's how you play the game. But that was just like, no one, no one's doing that for charity. Anyone's doing that to pay their fucking bills, which I found incredibly interesting. But again, the Australian one has made me laugh out loud more than anything because of how desperate and rapid fire all of these people are whereas in the canadian one i am interested and i am involved and i think you would enjoy it very much chris colin marker is gonna win he has a very strong chance but the black guy brandon fucking dark horse bro real strong horse is he the quiet one 
He well, doesn't have to do much. If I had to put my money against three people, it would be Colin, Tom, and Brandon. Brandon is not doing as much as Colin and Tom. Tom's doing the most. And Tom has gotten the most people out so far that I've watched. And Tom, mm. honest to God, he's he's pulling up the best game. Whereas Colin is like the Sam Dick Jacket guy in the sense that he is just pulling out anything at all times. Is he the smartest? Is he pulling out sketches? Does he wrap all of the jokes that everyone's talking about into one bit? Yes, Colin Mockery is very intelligent. The only thing is he's the ne- he's the only one of the group that has never been close to smiling or wavering once while at the same time doing his best to try and make other people laugh. He has almost broken Tom a couple of times. So if Brandon steps up his game and really tries to make people laugh, he has a strong chance of winning. But Colin, my, Colin and Tom are the two people that it's up against. Tom could break. Colin is playing as versatile of a game as anyone else. And Tom is just smart and weird. He's smart and weird in the right ways. Like he has a good momentum and a good gameplay, but I don't think he could do what Colin's doing. However, the preview of the next video might change my mind. I think the next video, he's going to start stepping into Freddy got finger territory. And that's what he needs right now. If he can pull that shit off, then he may be Colin, but Colin is a good guess. Very much. Oh, so. Man. Only swore once. So I didn't think that this shit, I didn't think that like this idea, because like, I had only heard of the, uh, the uh of Rooster Teeth's Rooster Rooster Teeth's version. Yeah. Like I didn't think that like that idea was out there and like this widespread. Mexico, I believe, started it. They've been it I'm sure like- they did. But I can't watch that. You can't get the sense of comedy there. You could read like reading it but missing people's intentions and faces. It like I could translate. Try Mexico. Doesn't yeah, try Mexico, but I, I don't think I'll be successful with it. Brit- Germany, Britain, and uh, Germany and Italy, I'm not going to go near. There's a Spain one, too. It's just, I'll see some goofy physical stuff, sure, but like I'll never get the subtlety of good wordplay. And there is some fantastic wordplay in the Australian one that I understood. You're funnier than this. It, she doesn't say it like that. It's more like she's the one standing there being like, please don't do this. Please don't do this. Don't please, please, while everyone like half the people are like, do it or like, yeah, or ew, gross. And she's like, please don't, you're funnier than this. Like, she's saying it empathetically, but it's the one thing in the room that someone needed to say. I think the- that would have gotten me to bust. Like, hearing that just, just me looks like, oh. If you haven't laughed by the dick jacket scene, Chris, I don't know what to tell you. Like, but after that, I was like, there's some fucking pros in this room. And by the end of it, it's just two guys. Two of the funniest people I've seen just being the biggest idiot Looney Tunes, like mental patients to each and other. The funniest part is if after all that badness and nonsense, if it, if the last two people just did a staring contest. Eye contact is rough. They try to do that. One tried to, one guy tries to do eye contact to the other one and the other one instead crosses his eyes so he can't look at him. And therefore they, it's a game at each other. Like, they are very smart in how they figured each other out. Like, <laughs> wow. the, Australian, the Australian one is very, the Australian one is like an experiment. Like we weren't laughing by the end. You're just kind of 
horrified and um, entertained and bemused by everything. Like it's, you need to see it through. It's a completely different show by the end. Whereas the Canadian one, it's pretty wholesome. It's pretty nice. It's pretty fun. Like you wonder who's going to win. It could be, uh, it could be at least three people. John, John Legero has, John Legere has a good chance of possibly taking it, but he's been, he's been holding back a smirk for some time now. So it could be anyone's game in the next two episodes. And I believe that is next Friday. So next Friday I'll finish it as well as peacemaker and then um, probably have something else to talk about. Now I'll, I'll conclude both of those, but last, last one laughing was a lot. Australian was a lot more interesting than I thought it would be as a human experiment. It was so interesting. So interesting. Seeing people revert to their high school era ages of just, I need attention, please give it to me. No. While laughing at the same time. I want to see Sasha Baron Cohen and Ken Jeong in the same room trying to make each other laugh. The problem with that is one is American and one is English. So you would have to see Sasha Baron Cohen with people like Richard Aoid or Richard Ah, break the rules. (laughs) Well, I mean, All-Stars. There could be an All-Stars one day, but there has to be an English one and there has to be an American one. The two I want the most. Oh, yeah. British comedy is like through the roof. Like, if you lock John Oliver in a room with some six of the funniest people on the earth. The wordplay, the wordplay alone, like that would be the cleanest room of all of them by the end of the show. But I would be dying laughing from all the goddamn wordplay. I'd need a dictionary and I would not care. I need a thesaurus to find all the jokes and I'd love it. America, America would be amazing because the interesting thing about Canada is they're not as desperate, but they're still as competitive. So when they see blood in the water and someone has a weakness of laughing, everyone in the room swarms to that person. Uh, Take the aggressive nature of America. Ooh. That's gonna be a real fucked up show. And I really want to see I really hope none of them are ticklish because that seems really cheap. Dude, cheap doesn't matter. That's not the point. True. That's true. Doesn't matter. But I don't think the thing is these are all comedians. Their job is to make each other laugh in any way possible. So it's not like they understand that if I run up to you and tickle you, that that's cheap. Whereas like, I would expect something like that maybe in the Australian one, but maybe there are rules for that. I don't know. No one's like really touching anyone else unless like there's a, a, like sort of, I guess the person's like allows it in some way. Um, But the the Australian one had rules. I do not necessarily understand, but nudity is a thing like, wow, it was crazy. It was crazy. Like in the, in the Canadian one, some hockey player I don't know shows up for two seconds to be weird towards people. And someone's like, he's like, where's the bathroom? And they're like, yeah, uh, I just go anywhere as a joke. And he's like, all right. And so he takes a bottle and he tries to like pee in the corner of the room with his pants down. And I'm like, what the fuck is even going on right now? Even the whole, like, <laughs> you, know, you know, the host of the Canadian one is Oh. fucking hiccup. Yeah. I see that. Yeah. I was like, fucking love it. He's great. Cause he's, cause all of these people are his heroes. He's so fucking into it. He gets to walk out and give like penalties to people and be like, be better. Be better. It's fucking hilarious. Imagine, uh, imagine you're a professional comedian of like multiple over the course of multiple decades. And Jay Baruchel walks up to you and be like, you're better than that. 
like, it's so funny because it's all they all get that it's a joke. Like it, no one's doing anything uh, disgusting over there. It's just like someone laughed at their own joke and he walked out and he's like, "Card, be better," and everyone's laughing. Like it's it's such a good spirit. I do love it. That's fun. That's my thing. That's my thing. Okay. You know what? We're just gonna do. We're just gonna do the other thing separately. I have something else. So do you bastard. I'm sorry, dude. It's like we've been building it up. Uh, we have been. You cheat. Might as well. So, okay, I could talk about October Sky again and how I'm planning to do a short video essay about it. Um, October Sky is causing you to be a video essayist. I love it. I'm not going to do like those hour long ones. I can't see myself but doing like, that. Starting it at all. That's fine. People yeah. make eminent ones. I could talk about how I watched um, a movie. Uh, gosh, what's it called? A River Runs Through It. Are um, you? I fucking yeah. movie. <laughs> I, I watched A River Runs Through It. and uh, Such a good Saturday movie. Such a good eat lazy. We watched morning. it Friday night. Well, I mean, it's it's a movie. You watch movies in the dark in a theater. I yeah. get it, but like, that's when I first found it. I was moving into my brother's room after he moved out, and when I was all done, it was just relaxing the bed, and they played that and Legends of the Fall, another Brad Pitt in the Montana wilderness movie. But A River Runs Through It is so good. Robert Redford, good director sometimes. It's I'm still unraveling it, so my opinion on it is kind of like – kind of like hasn't really formed yet mm-hmm. um so i'm l- trying to let that fester for a bit i could talk about that um i'm saving the matrix for later i have seen it we will talk about it but you know what guys i have to admit some things you know just have to be have to be talked about i need to end this video loop here because i'm watching trailers on loop um there was a new Destiny expansion. Oh, Whoa. yeah. The Witch Queen. Boy, howdy, guys. <laughs> Everything has uh, changed. Me, you mean golly. Everything is different now. <laughs> I absolutely... Okay, so, like... So... The thing about it is, like... Okay, so the premise is they they slow cooked a villain for this one. Like they started they started building towards this in 2014. This has been eight years in the making. They have been slow cooking this bad boy for almost a decade. Wow. Excuse me. Um, so, basically, the Witch Queen, Savathun, has finally revealed herself and her, and what she's planning to do. We have to, as the protagonist, go and... Uh, the protagonist? Protagonist. Um, we have to uncover her plot as to... Um, okay, so basically, all right, so enemies of the traveler, the being of light, don't have the light. Okay, they don't have the powers that we do as uh, guardians. All right, 
we don't summon a revolver that burns harder than the sun. Um, they, they don't do that. Until now. <gasps> Somehow Savathun stole light powers and it's our job to figure out how she did it, what she's going to do with it, and like all and all that stuff. And like there is like and I was pl okay, I was playing through it and I was like going through the grind and I was like all right, we haven't really seen her yet and I'm kind of like we, you go through most of it and you don't really see her. And I'm like, okay, I would have liked this in, in the uh in the um in the marketing, I would have liked to have not seen her at all. I would have waited. I would have liked to have waited until now to see what she looked like. And she's just a giant moth. I've shown you guys the pictures. Yeah, um, she's crazy looking. So it turns out. Um, so you, you, uh, Zach's looking it up. So uh, <laughs> I, I, I just, it's been a bit, but I, I know about the expansion. I just wanted to remember what she looked like. Basically. So you have to go basically to her, what's called the throne world, where she uses uh, magic to create a world that is operated under her rules, basically. So like you have to play by that, by that world's like rules in order to survive. Um, Savathun is the, is the, uh, is the, uh, the queen of cunning and lying and deceit. So basically, the, because they slow cooked this, uh, this reveal for a, almost a decade, every piece of information that is given throughout this DLC is questioned and doubted to the tiniest detail. Like every piece of information that we get as evidence of how did she do this is doubted. Like it, like it really makes you cast uh, doubt, like doubt on your own judgment. Like it, it is this for real? Like is this true? Like it really, really like questions your conclusions, and then the whole like. So the way that it works is, okay, so the Traveler brings things back to life as a new start. And so that means you don't have any of your previous memories. Um, and you have this little orb thing called a ghost, which is basically a piece of the Traveler that basically just follows you and reses you when you die. Um, or resurrects you when you die. Um, so, and it's really just like... It's really non-discriminate. Uh, case in point, the, you want to know how Savathun got the light? Um, so at the, towards the end of the season, she died. Towards the end of the season before the expansion came out, we actually successfully killed her. We just didn't know it. Oh. Like, she slowly bled to death. And she was like, oh, I was like, She's like lamenting to the traveler. She managed to escape and she's like, she's lamenting to the traveler, just like blah blah blah. Man, we had a we had a we had a fun few years, didn't we? Me chasing you and trying to get at you. And like, wouldn't it be funny if you like 
wouldn't it be just a cruel joke if you just like revived me? <laughs> she got a ghost, and she got revived. Damn. None of her memory. None of her memory. She doesn't remember a thing. So, and us uncovering her memories, we were basically doing that for her. And her whole goal the whole time was to steal the Traveler into her throne world and disappear. Like, stripping oh. all the Guardians of their light. What a so we were like, hell no. <laughs> we're, not, <laughs> like, we're not doing that. We're going to stop you. We don't know how, but we're going to do it. Um, really, like, it really casted doubt. Like, okay, the guy who killed your one of your mentors got resurrected as a Guardian. And you have to live with that. And he's now has to live with that because Sabathun showed him that. So now he's got to live with that. Um, but, like, now you have to live with the fact that a mortal enemy of yours, someone who has, like, taken so much from you, from the shadows, like, abducted one of your other mentors and posed as them and, like, impersonated them for, like, the longest time um, and basically almost killed them in the process... And, like, that person was chosen by the Traveler to be resurrected as a Guardian. <laughs> to wield oh light powers. And I mean, so you as a what? Guardian have to wrestle with that. You have to, like... That's well, you were your... manipulated. What now? You're manipulated. Yeah. I mean, that's just um, good. an evil person. So you have to wrestle with that and be like okay no we she has she still have to come to the realization that uh yeah she has to be stopped also she has a whole like army of hive who can the hive being the uh the bug creatures that i showed you guys today that's basically where she's from that they can wield light too so basically oh you are you are a guardian fighting a hive guardian who does exactly what you do almost oh. as strongly almost as strong as you do and this is just a hell of a day. Oh, man. <laughs> eight years. We've been like, this for eight years. That reminds me of like three really good movies and their turns and their villains. Um, right. Wrapped around into one really good story. That reminds me of like the first season of uh, The Flash, where The Flash is manipulated by um, Reverse Flash as his mentor. It turns out, ah, oh, man, I was fucking getting you to do this shit the whole time. And then he continues to do it again. Yep. And the I love that shit. Um, so but that's really good. What we had to do was break away from the pattern and try to figure out if there's anything else that Savathun's uh, worm. Uh, it, I can. I can, It'll take me forever to explain a hive worm to you, but like basically, okay. a hive worm is what gives hive uh, like life in a sense. In a sense. Um, so we had to separate. Um, her we have to separate Savathun from her worm so she could become mortal essentially and we could kill her so like it kind of works like that and so her worm he held a memory that a memory that she did not know that nobody knew so the hive made a pact with the darkness because the traveler abandoned them right when because they because um they saw the traveler as a uh, as a uh, god of like destruction and death, so they sided with the darkness, so they didn't have to put up with any of that crap. In turn, they have to like uh, blood tithes, 
Um, Jeez. So it turns out worm the worm gods of the hive lied to the hive and basically said the traveler is evil. That's why high that's right before the traveler was about to like bless them with the powers of light like before we were as humans. Mm-hmm. And so so the god so the, the like the, she's the god of she's the goddess of cunning and lies and deceit and she in turn was lied to and manipulated to a, for, as a means to an end for the for a, the the gods of darkness to <laughs> to enact their to uh, enact their um agenda <laughs> to destroy the traveler damn man <laughs> so it turns out this mortal enemy, the Hive, were really just lied to, <laughs> to uh, as 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 manipulation. Yeah, so more evil. But of course, Savathun thinks she's being lied to when we try to tell her. When we show her the memory, she's like, "No, you're lying. How did you get a hold of this?" Yeah, she is. <laughs> so we end up having to uh, put her down because she was because she was like right about to. Uh, Traveler. So it turns out, okay, she saw what was coming because, like, the darkness, like the 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 darkness equivalent of the traveler is coming to destroy the traveler. She saw that what we were what we are about to face in about a year and a half when the next expansion comes out. Um, she saw that and was trying to prevent that by taking the traveler and hiding it away. And this whole time, she's kind of like vaguely kind of like trying to tell us that you don't know what's coming. I was actually kind of trying to protect you. But her last words were, okay, if that's how you want it, don't say I didn't warn you. Drops dead. Ghost escapes. Damn, man. And then, oh gosh. Um, all right, hang on. Let me see. I just want to, I actually want to show you guys this part. Let me see if I can't. Ooh, first um so like the last like uh the um post credit scene i guess but there's no there's no uh there's no uh, credits um uh there's no credits but like there's a, there's an end credit scene that teases the next expansion that's coming out in a, in a year's time is it coming out in a year's time or sooner? No, it's a year. That's usually how. That's usually the the. Uh, that's usually the. Um, actually, hang on. Let me see if I can skip ahead. Okay, hang on. There it is, right there. So I'll pause there, and then let me see if I can't see how this works. Oh no, that's right. I can't do that. Um. Anyway, I. I'll, I'll show you guys later. But uh, basically, there's this figure, right? Um, there we go. I know how to do this. Um, I'll just send you guys the, the link via the chat there. All right, there you go. Um, so you can already kind of see what it's, what's happening. But, like, basically, uh, how do I put this in the simplest terms possible? 
Uh, let's see here. Uh, sorry, guys. We're fucked. <laughs> we are. We are. We are. We are dead. Um. So that what you're seeing is what's coming in a, in about a year. In the the next expansion called uh, aptly named Lightfall. Lightfall. That is I gonna. Mean, um but like yeah but that was it was so it was actually like so much fun just like it looks like it man i know it's like it was really fun um leveling up was really hard uh <laughs> because like it the progression is just so so like it really demands a lot from you but um i managed to finish it in a day because i suck um seems like you're pretty good if you manage to finish yeah, it in a day. Same. I know I'm just like a dork. I mean, I meant to say I'm a dork. Um Okay. I mean we're like you're, you're geek about a thing you love. That's cool. Yeah. It's going right. to be I don't know what's going to happen. Like, I don't know what's gonna happen next. I can only speculate, but really I don't know. That's a good story then. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that's true. Man, it's going to be the, this whole. Uh, so all I know is that the previous expansion, Beyond Light, the introduction, the introduction to us wielding darkness powers was a prologue to this now three act story. Hmm. So which queen it's wild. Was part one <laughs> was act one. Which queen? Which queen? Which queen? Yeah, which queen? which queen? Which queen is act one of Got three? You. Which queen? Yes. I mean, which one? One. Okay. Okay. Um, it could be the good witch. It could be the wicked witch of the east. Like, which witch? Which one? The witch queen. The, the, the fucking space bug ass witch, dude. Ma. Which queen? Which queen? Yeah, that one. Also, yeah, the fact was... of her, the fact of her being a moth esque creature, ch- chasing a being of light, was not lost on me. And they used it pretty well. Um, <laughs> That's true. I didn't think of that. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. It's It was a lot of fun. The mystery was great. The twist. Like, it's an existential twist. Of just like, now, you're present... Last expansion, we were presented with this problem of what's the dilemma of light-wielding guardians... Like now wielding dark uh, powers of darkness, will are we susceptible to corruption? Which is the answer is yes. But like, what's going to happen? We really don't know. What's the morality behind that? But um, now it's like our mortal enemies are like not who we think we are. What is happening right now? Like, who even is the traveler anymore? Is the traveler like because like this whole time? During, like, the most cookie-cutter of times for Destiny 2 story, it was more of just, like, the Traveler is good. Now that whole idea of it being good is flipped on its head. Yeah. And now we're we're kind of just like, well, this is our life now. Jeez. So we're just, we're, it's a trip. Really, it's yeah. a trip. And it's a lot of fun. Um, That's exciting. 
I can't wait for Sony to make these into shows. And I know I you really guys like know it. what we're talking because so you know what I'm talking about to an extent. Yeah, it's it's just an interesting and refreshing universe, like sci-fi universe to be in. It's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So Star Wars, do better because there's a massive battle coming. And that's what I live for. Hmm. Anyway, yeah. should we talk about the Matrix? <laughs> Uh, let's not talk about it too long, though. Like, we have, we do have a Batman movie that's coming out this weekend. Yeah, we only dedicated three episodes to the other three movies. But whatever. Yeah. And we, we'd um, have to make like Bumblebee. Like, yeah, I was thinking like do it like because the Blame Check podcast I've used as a reference point for Batman a lot this week. They whenever they do the filmography of an entire director, which they do in a row. They will come back if they make something new the week it comes out and talk about it and just make an episode that week. I was like, That's we don't have to do that. that we, well, that they also don't spin a wheel. They just go like filmographies of directors and they could go big or small. Sometimes they'll let the audience decide. I think right now they're going through the woman who did Power of Dog. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. So the Matrix Resurrections. What are your thoughts, dude? Spew it. What the heck, guys? <laughs> no, so, okay. So, all right, spoilers from here on out. So, I can finally talk about this. You guys have been wanting me to talk about this because I've been bringing up subjects that are related to this movie and you guys have just been like, you're almost oh, ready to it. strangle me to watch it. And I finally watched it at a, at a Cinema Grill um, with some nice waffle fries and, uh, oh my God. So... Right off the bat, I'm like, all right, are they good? Is, it, is this time travel? I pretty much know. I, I stayed, I stayed clean. I stayed, sure. I stayed, I stayed, uh, oh, outside I, uh, of our prediction. Yeah. So I really didn't know what was going on. I, I stayed, I stayed away from spoilers. But, uh, I get in there and I'm just like, it was the moment where there was a moment. Nah. Uh, Sucked into the vacuum of space into debris and just gets shredded into pieces. That would be funny if DVC if he said there's a moment and then he uh opens the lock and then he just goes wee. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I freaking like it. I really like it. I really like it. Um, like, the moment where Neo, it turns out, was a game developer. Mm-hmm. I was like, no, wait, wait, no, you're really go. Oh my God, are you sure they transitioned? Because the balls on these people. Oh. Like they made it, they made the Matrix into a game, and Neo was the developer. And now I'm less questioning what is real, what is fake. It's like that's just such a ballsy move. Like you, that's just made by people who don't give a damn, but cared the most at the same time. You could honestly say that's what the first Matrix is. It's Matrix. It's Neo learning that he exists in a video game in which he can hack and mod and do whatever he wants in. Um, but like, yeah, I was just like. I was thinking about it, I was like, that's genius. This is like how it was like the whole movie is about you can't like um 
can't put it into words now. Why am I losing my train of thought at the worst times? Um, the whole movie, like the whole, there's a whole motif in the movie. It's just like you can't repeat these patterns. Like yeah. you can't just do it again. Cause like, and like the whole meta ness of it, I was like, this is so meta. I think Lana's speaking right to the audience with every word that's being spoken in this movie. I don't think it's subtle when at she- all. I don't think most of the time it's subtle. I think other times you could see it as subtlety, but most of the time, no. It's pretty upfront. Uh, it's as upfront as Spider Man is about its nostalgia. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way Just, to it. I'd argue more so because it's like to a trained eye or a trained ear, you could be like, um, when he's having the conversation with the fan, or no, with uh, Trinity. Uh, in the cafe where he's like, yeah, there's a little like there's a little bit of me in it, sometimes too much. I was just like, yep, I see you. That was you. That was you speaking. I was just like, oh, okay. All right. Now I'm paying attention. All right. I'm here now. (laughs) If I wasn't wasn't before, before, when Neo's a game developer and the Matrix was a giant video game. Yes. If you didn't have me, if you didn't have me there, you had me at that dinner scene. So that I, cafe I, have a, scene. I have a few questions then. In terms of the film, what do you think that she is saying, Lana is saying about the Matrix in terms of nostalgia and meta nature? What, what do you think she feels about returning to this? I think more of like, she's more of less. I way I think about it is I thought she was using the Matrix is a backdrop of trying to say, like, um, how do I vocalize this? Like, trying to think of the right words to say it, because, like, I've also had this, like, running thing this week of, like, like, trying to say what a film said best and trying to explain it in layman is really difficult <laughs> for me. Let me, tell, let me just say this, Chris. That is why I love doing this with you. A lot of the big things that I come to realize come through our discussion and a lot of working it out. And that's why I spend a lot of time during the week on each film so that I can come here and have not a piece of paper in front of me. Sometimes I should have a concise idea of <laughs> what it is I want like you took you're talking about doing a video essay for october sky my guess is that you're gonna have a long time taking the process of figuring out what you want to say through a medium in which you love to say things which is film and part of the process is yeah like if you see a film taking the time to think about it and really figuring that thing sometimes it's it's the conversation and talking about it and sometimes it's not And that's a big problem with movies these days and not being a part of the discourse of something coming out. But that is the great thing about when there's like podcasts and videos and and essays and all that shit out there. You can't be afraid of other people's opinions when you're trying to figure out your own. Um, And I I do see what you are saying. Uh, But a lot of it is just like seeing it more than once within the week that you saw it. Like going to YouTube and seeing a clip every now and then just like really spending the time with a a film, like uh, waiting to the moment of the show can create like a blue balls effect. 
Like you're just like, ah, okay, I'm on. Re- oh man, I kind of feel like I want to. Mm, I don't know what I want to say yet. Like so, surprised that that can happen from time to time. Mm-hmm. I'll say I'll say this. I think the more, I think it's time for me to watch Jupiter Ascending. I think it, if not because it's a bad movie, because for me, seeing this, I after coming out of the theater, I was like, it was actually after that last scene, I was like, I think the Wachowski sisters have left an impression on me and how I interpret and make stuff. Because, like, that whole scene of just, like, Neil Patrick Harris, who I thought was pretty darn good. Right. <laughs> um, um, like, the, like, this didn't... I could see where some people may have gotten lost and been like, this is, like, I know Corridor, Corridor Crew... I think it was Nico and Sam had watched it and they weren't high on the movie because they didn't feel like it was, they didn't really feel like it was the matrix to which I was like, you do realize that was the point, right? <laughs> like yours, that was kind of the point. Well, like, they were seeing, they were seeing or just describing their thoughts on like a VFX with through a VFX perspective. It's all connected. Like, that's part of the process. Like, you can't, like, the whole bullet time thing is, like, you can't, like, do that again and be like, ah, oh, look at that again. It's like, you can do it again. Well, it, like, it was more of just, like, the, the technical aspects of, like, how the green screens worked and how, how like, pretty cheap it actually was, how the, how these VFX artists were working on the movie. And that's that's really what they were saying. Or that's what I remember them saying. I would, uh, that's another thing I was going to get to, Chris, was the special effects and the action. But like I, I part of getting into that is and a lot of people tend to forget about like the, it was a it was a magical, like magical team of people that were working on that first movie. And then they only got better on the second and third. But it's been 20 years. Like a lot of those people moved on, not around mm. doing their own. Like they didn't have the same team. It was never going to look the same in that regard. Outside of that, one of the things that really turned me off the first time I watched it was like, it's not the same quality of action. But I was like, at the same time, there were so many other things I enjoyed about it visually. But the one thing that grabbed me so much was the script, was the story. I was like, that is just, it's excelling in so many ways. And that they are really care because like the first matrix movie is a combination of everything together like action and world building and the technique of it like uh and the second movie is all action second movie is all story and this movie i think is just really focused in on what it wants to say more than anything else especially over action it tries but it did also make this during a pandemic too they are if nothing else kick-ass writers i would say nothing else I know you want to go to Jupiter Ascending, but here's the thing. Jupiter Ascending... I know it's not as good, but I just want to try. This is is what I would suggest. Jupiter Ascending is a blockbuster movie, and they know that. So what you're watching is basically the narrative of a hero's journey. And there's nothing wrong with that. But if you're looking for really good quality writing from them, and mostly Lana in particular, you're looking for Sense8. Because guess what, Chris? Half of the cast, if not more, if not all eight main members of that movie, of that TV show on Netflix, are in this movie. Sense eight Sense is eight. the closest. A, Sense eight is the closest thing to the to a, a Matrix Resurrections that they have made. 
it, because Lana mostly was overseeing that, and Lily wasn't really around. She wrote it, but she didn't direct any of it. Lana, Lana directed all of that. It's the best writing that you're probably going to see from them since The Matrix or Bound. And look, I love Bound. It's a lesbian film noir. I think everyone should see it. Assassins is not good. And you've already seen The Matrix movies, and Speed Racer deserves to be on one of our wheels for sure one day. But I'm sure you've seen Curiosity it. Curiosity for me. More, more because uh, I, w- I would want to talk about Matt. Um, what's his name? Do from Lost. Uh, oh, you don't want to talk about him. <laughs> <He's> <laughs> like, <laughs> I have good history under his belt. Um, yeah, he does. Uh, and, um, Jupiter Ascending is an action movie. It's a female-led space adventure. And it doesn't have huge, strong themes. It, any themes that it has are the same themes as The Matrix. It's Sense8. That's the one you want to find. That is the one that I think you should look at if you're digging these, uh, this work from this new movie and how she is writing uh, what she's talking about. But in terms of what she's talking about in this movie, I really feel like, um, first of all, during the pandemic, she was really at her lowest and she didn't know what to do. So she was like, I wonder what Neo and Trinity are doing. And that literally was like, you know what? I want to write about them again. And so the movie is about, I want to write about these characters. And Warner Brothers is like, first of all, the scene, the two best scenes of the movie to me are when Neo goes to see Smith before Smith is turned and he's his boss. And he's like, look, they're going to make the Matrix but they're going to make the matrix without you. So if you're going to have the matrix get made anyway, why don't you make it? That is a good executive. Who's a money man. That's someone you want. That's someone who cares about the artist. Eventually he saves the day at the end, but that's somebody who cares about the artist An executive who like gave Jim Henson all of his money until he died. And someone stepped in and was like, I don't like your creepy weird puppet shit. Get the fuck out. Like you eat, Eat a money man and executive to care about what you're doing for you to fall to hit the follow through on. And then what happens at the end of the movie? It's the fucking analyst and it's Neo and it's fucking Trinity. And he's like, people still want what I have to give them. This fucking schlocky McDonald's shit. That's what they want. They're they're for, they're fairly content with the world I've given them. You're not going to fucking pull them out of anything if they don't want to leave. And what does Matrix and, and what does Trinity and Neo say? They say, we're going to show them something better. We're going to turn the sky into rainbows. We're going to make cars fly. We're going to make buildings tree houses. We're going to turn this world and we're going to mod the fuck out of it so that people realize that whatever you have, whatever you own, it's yours and make it yourself. And if it is, it does become something that people feel like they own. It is still yours to make your own. Nobody is stopping you. It's a movie about how you can still, it sucks to have something you make get turns into commercial uh, information um, that gets to just sell you shit. But at the same time, you can't, you made it for a reason. Creating stuff is purposeful. It changes people's lives. It wakes them up. It will wake you up. And they're telling that that is the same message as the first movie, but differently with their own product being used and given to them. It's Warner Brothers gave them money to literally make fun of Warner Brothers. And guess what? No plans to make another fucking Matrix movie. Yeah, you don't need to, dude. You don't need to. No, it's not that they don't need to. I think that ending was explicit. They're not going to do it. No, no, no. I think Lana 
wants to make more. And if she did want, if they would let her let her make more, if she they gave her the money to do it, I think she would. Warner Brothers doesn't want to. A, it didn't make a lot of money during a fucking pandemic resurgence. Where but it also at the same time during the Delta variant that it came out like that, and then it switched right to Omicron. It was never going to do that well. But Warner Brothers, I don't think, was happy about this. I don't think they were happy about the message of it. I don't think they were happy about what people were talking about. I think they wanted a Spider-Man. And instead, they got the absolute opposite. Same, a different message and not a negative one, but it certainly comes off as acid tongue. And I think Lana was like, if they don't give me more money, fine. I said what I wanted. But you know what? The point is, I, that's literally the point. Warner Brothers is like, guess what? I'm going to keep your property and we're going to do whatever we want with it. Lana's like, guess what? I'm going to make what I want. And and guess what? You can too, people. You can too. They're going to make an open Matrix game. Do whatever you want with it. Hey, you want to go online and write your own fanfic about the Matrix? Go for it. Maybe 20 years from now, you'll be a high fucking uh, class filmmaker. You can go to Warner Brothers, give them your idea. And guess what? New Matrix material that's better and changing the world again. They they also launched this gate. They launched this alongside a a literal tech demo for Unreal Engine. Yep, they did. That's my my point. I honestly think that Lana is like, look, you can own this, but you don't own the ability for people to take it and make it better. You can give them shit; they can still make it better. You can give me a Big Mac and a McChicken. I can take that and turn it into the McChicken Big Mac, like whatever you want. Like I can take this and make it better. Nothing's stopping me. And guess what? You gave me the money to do it. If that pisses you off because that's not what you want from people, I still fucking got to make it. And you can too one day. I, I loved that. Loved that ending. Loved that message. At the end of the day, I walked out and I was like, fuck yes. I don't care how this looks. I may never watch this again for any of the action scenes or yeah, any of the spectacle that makes it an action movie. There's some of that stuff in that like motorcycle chase that's pretty cool. But at the end of the day, it's probably the um, montage of him at the beginning with uh, going through his days of work and people trying to like brainstorm how to make the Matrix come back again in front of him. Like that montage is excellent. There's some great stuff in this movie that has nothing to do with it being an action film. And that's why I want to watch Sense8. Never gave it any time of day. Absolutely want to do it after this. Um, and I hear it got a proper ending. So. It's not like mm. just hanging. In. I believe it has one. So um, I really that's what I took away from it. Like, it's not a negative thing about, hey, nostalgia is shitty. It's about, hey, we made these things for a reason. We love them for a reason. We want to be involved with them for a reason. And if something takes it and sells it and turns you into a zombie with it, it's your responsibility to come out and turn your Star Wars into something different. Is what I um, I think it was the contrast of the nerdy fan in the uh at the first cafe scene who's just yeah. asking about all this like cry- I cringed. I was just like, why why do I feel seen? It's like ah um but then there's uh Shucks, what's her name? She plays Colleen Wang in um the blue in the Iron Fist. Yes, she plays okay. Colleen Wang in Iron Fist. Help me! Oh, no, uh, calm down. I don't know. Bugs. Uh, you... Her name's Bugs in the movie. 
Was it Jessica or Jennifer? Yes. Thanks. Thanks, Zach. You're real. <laughs> All right. Let me look at the gosh darn cast. All right. But it's false. Uh, but anyway. But anyway, um, there's her character. Then there's the fanboy at the cafe. Like, that's the whole contrast. It's like, okay, one gets it, the other doesn't. And it's pretty clear. It's pretty clear who got it and who didn't. But I don't think... But really, I don't think it's condemning either one. It's just, like, one is, like, way more, way more, like... What's the word? One's like way more, way less self-aware than the other. Like one says, okay, your action was great. It was so kick-ass. All these practical, all this practical stuff. It was really great. And then one's like, it changed my life. It is one of my favorite movies because of this, this, and this. Like. That's literally the point of the action. Some people walked away from revolutions and being like this is just i don't get it this does this isn't reaching me this doesn't mean anything and it's just like the action is it's i'm glad what i'm grateful for is that they had the self-awareness that um lana lana had the self-awareness to be like yeah there's a little there may be a little too much of us in those sequels there we may have said a little too much and our heads may be up our ass a little bit but i honestly i honestly think that i I think that that may be them being pretentious, but them being that upfront and unsubtle about their pretentious philosophical ideas is the same thing here. The ideas here are just way more concise and more uh, and just more eloquent in terms of how they present it, but they're just as unsubtle. They're just as upfront and in your face. They're just way more calm and, and just understand what they are talking about more. There's a concrete grounded reality to the stakes here that everyone yeah. can respond to not just like hey we're all like in in our heads and like that's like the duality of it's like yeah the architect and it's like no nostalgia is dangerous but there's a reason we all need it that comfort is there that happiness is good it, it can inspire you to make your own thing mm-hmm. and, and or or to take that thing and make your own thing out of it instead of just, but it can also keep you where you're at. That guy that you're talking about in the coffee house, the first thing he says to him is your thing changed my life. It, it, it was the thing that made me realize what I want to do. And that makes Keanu look, but then he starts talking about what he does. He's like, I just want to make cool things. I just want to make cool things that like entertain people. And like Keanu says it too. It's like, we make the kids happy. There is there is nothing wrong with like there's a there's a really great movie we're gonna get to Oh Brother Where Art Thou Oh Brother Oh Brother Where Art Thou the title is taken from a Preston Sturges movie called Sullivan's Travels I want to put it on the wheel one day it's a really funny comedy about a filmmaker who wants to make a serious movie he wants to make a movie so serious. Because all he's made is comedies that he decides he's going to go out, throw all of his money away and be a hobo. He's going to live a depressive life so they can learn what sadness truly is. And what does he learn? That when he surrounds himself with sad, depressive, homeless people, they go to the movies and they watch comedies to feel better about their lives. That there is a purity to that. There is a reason for that. 
And I think the Wachowskis understand that and are not ignoring that. But you are correct. What does Bugs get out of it? Bugs learns how to get inside the game and affect people, change them with the themes and the things that she learned from him. Trying to she make her own thing, too. Yeah. She uses it to change Morpheus. And what does Morpheus become? A straight-laced guy in a suit. His drip was insane. That is style. Like, he, it doesn't matter whether it was good or not. In anyone else's eyes, it was absolutely his. He even Black Mantis looks great. Too nostalgic? Was, I, was it too nostalgic? I'm trying to do my own thing. Like, I love that. I absolutely dig it. Bugs is totally that, but I think Bugs in a lot of ways is Lana. The blue hair and everything. I think Lana is coming yeah. out being like, is there no bigger fan of this shit than me? I know what this truly is. I need to reach these characters and rip them out and say, what is it I want from them? And truly deep down, I want Neo and Trinity to be in love. And I want that love to power and fuel all the diversity and change that this world needs to be inspired by. And that's what that movie really is about. It's not about action. It's not about how the world sucks. It's not about how 1984 was right again. It's about, hey, you know what? Love in a world filled with sadness and uh, status quo is probably the thing that's going to get us through the darkness of the day. Fantastic. Good stuff. Um, Love it. Yeah. I, I do like the idea of using previous elements and like... <laughs> The whole red pill, blue pill thing again, I was just like, okay, yeah. now that, like, this is, to me, if nothing else, a commentary on, I don't know if commentary is the right word. More Everything of like. Legit yeah. straight up commentaries in this movie. Um, I just like the idea of, like, I understand why you guys wanted me to watch this now. Just the common theme of, like, remakes and doing your own thing. And mm-hmm. how much harder it is because like Lana's like it's like okay, Neo's trying to make this one thing. Everybody wants him to make another Matrix. And I could see the like man, oh man. Like that vision, that artist vision. Like it's just so stark. Like in this in this movie particularly, because like <clears throat> like if Noticing those things of just like Neo working on this other project besides the Matrix, which is taking up company time. And then uh, Smith is like, can you go back to this? Um, (laughs) Mr. Anderson, um, can you go back to this? I suddenly become George Lucas and, uh, you know, poetry at rhymes. Um, What you're doing is fine, but we need to make money. And the thing that makes us money is the thing that you did that people love. And they're going to take it away and make it bad unless you make it yourself. So I really wish we lived in a fair fair, uh, bureaucracy where if they if you agree to if you agree to like to their demands of we want another matrix movie is like okay fine i want to do this thing it's like okay if i do this i'll like if i do this for you like you give me the money to do this mm-hmm. like i wish we lived in that well you know Chris, <laughs> you know some people you have that's not the world we live in unfortunately some people you think i live that's... in you think i live in uh you think i uh you think i uh daydream all day yeah i do but like you know 
You know what? Shut good up. For you. Good um, for you for daydreaming all day, Chris. Anyway. I agree. Yeah, so You'd be a terrible person. Anyway, so I I really enjoyed it. Like every time I every time the uh every time the Wachowski sisters are outspoken about art through movies, like they craft narratives around that. Right. It's fun. Like it it's just it's just so much fun to watch, and it's just like, oh yeah, you you go, you go. Let let take me on a ride. Let's go. It's two and a half hours. I feel like I'm dying, but you know what? That's great. That's great. I'm I'm happy here. <laughs> that new Batman movie is gonna be three hours. My mom was just like, she was just like, Ugh. wait, really? Two hours fifty six minutes. The I will say this: everyone who has decided to lie or tell somebody, like I'm sorry, not lie, but. Uh, speak before the embargo has been lifted or tell other people that aren't part of the embargo so that they're working get out. Everyone has said that that is not a fucking problem. Oh. That okay. is, I'll, tell you, that I'll tell you this. I listened to the soundtrack of the Batman to help like compare and see if some of the themes from this first movie are in it, and some of them are, but it's two hours long because the movie is three hours long and uh, flew right the fuck by. Uh, gotta say, one of the best scores of the year for me, and um, it's simple. There's not a lot of like grandiose things. It's just some the the Batman theme alone is just a re- a re- repetition thing that I fucking love. Very film noirish, but it was pretty easy going. Like I was in, I was enjoying it throughout. Like I have a feeling like I'm gonna enjoy this movie all the way through beginning to end. Yeah, I'm going to look up the soundtrack now. And it, pacing has not been a problem. Michael Cimino, Michael Ch- Cimino, Chichino. Michael Ch- Chichino. Thank you. I was thinking of Michael Cimino, the director. Um, <laughs> but the, the director, love, Matt Reeves, excuse you. Uh, I'm talking about a different director. There's a filmmaker named Michael Simeone. He made uh, Deer Hunter and uh, Heaven's Gate. Uh, so yeah, I, I really love the new Batman soundtrack. I, and what I'm hearing is that people do not seem to care about the time. I mean, I don't think I would have cared. I just didn't know it was going to be three, three hours. hours. Yeah. That's freaking crazy. for some time. If I'm not mistaken, uh, if I'm not mistaken, besides uh, the Snyder Cut, this will be the second theatrical comic book movie over, over at about around three hours the other one being what? endgame i was gonna say endgame yeah i was like the like the other one would be endgame i was like no there's like two of them like th- besides the snyder cut like there are only two of them i, I mean not, I, I snyder cut never came out in theaters though to say snyder cut i don't think i ever thought it came out in theaters endgame has got to be the longest I can see it was three. That was three hours and like one minute. That, that, yeah, to me that was. But but I think Batman is less than three hours. But just it about. is two hours fifty six. So Endgame is longer, but like this is also an entirely different tone. Endgame anyway. is meant to. Be- <laughs> but like yeah, okay. Speaking of fun. Batman. Um. <laughs> Uh, who, who is anybody here know Prince's version of uh, a Prince uh, song that he did? Batman, which one? Batman. Right? 
Bat dance. Bat dance. Thank you. I couldn't think of it. It's like he's all over the soundtrack. I was trying to think of the right one. It's like bat dance. So yeah. He's only on. The, he's he only has three songs in the movie, but he actually made a CD that's about eight tracks, I think. Ah. Uh, but that they did not use in the movie. Let's start the movie here because we're about to go on an adventure. I just jinxed the next uh, the next series we're doing. Um, so, go on an adventure. Four movies. We're on movie one. Peter will be right back. Um, <laughs> you're not a crook. We we know. Um, so, really, what we have here is a tale of two directors this series mm. burden and schumacher yes schumacher was a producer okay you're gonna get into i know you're gonna get into it but i'm pretty sure schumacher was a producer at first burden didn't want to do it again or some chicanery happened where he didn't want where he couldn't or did not want to do it again so schumacher's like you know what i'll do it alicia silverstone bat nipples let's do it guys he does not have bat nipples not yet. Why is that surprising? <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Um, so anyway, we're we're not there yet. We will get there, and it will be great because I'm expecting a meltdown at Batman and Robin. But um, because it's the last movie Bob Kane ever saw, ever last Batman movie Bob Kane ever saw, and that just makes me mad every time I think about it. So we're not going to think about it now. Um, and we will talk about Batman 1989. Really, just a precursor for um, comic book movies today. Um, it's not the, not the first. Not the first. Unfortunately, not the first. Um, I know. Superman's a good movie. Oh, right. Superman came before it. I was about to say, there's, there's not a lot of good comic book movies before this. The Superman's the outlier. I was going to say, it, the, it, ma- it, the, I'm, ma- I'm, the, the Christopher I'm, Reeves Superman movies were great. But, I'm going to uh, get it. No, like that, I heard that last one's atrocious. But like anyway, 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 anyway. Um, I don't know about you, but the Adam West Batman movies are great. <laughs> well, only one time cap. That's a time capsule. Anyway, um, so with that, 1989 Batman, Michael Keaton, Jack Nicholson. Yes. Michael Keaton could never escape from this role. He even said uh, so in Birdman. It- Disagree. And then he said it again in Spider-Man. And then he came right back, apparently. All roads lead to Rome. He's in two two DC movies. Well, apparently all roads lead to being a costume vigilante dressed as a thing that can fly. (laughs) I think think he's honestly doing it I think he's doing it now for fun. I think oh, he's, he's 100% doing yeah. it now because it's funny. But it's not, well, I don't think he's doing it for any other reason that he wants to and is excited to and interested in because he's earned enough of a career to not have to. So with that, I don't think we have ever said this on the show. We have a first-time director today. For the year. For the year. No, we have not done – we have not done – him before we've not done a movie of his before mm-hmm. alex yes tell the audience and me in particularly i guess who is tim burton okay 
first question, Chris. Uh, what okay. Tim Burton movies have you seen? This Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children. Um, This. Uh, shoot. Maybe I've seen Batman Returns. Have you Maybe seen like Nightmare before? That was not him. No. That, he did not direct that. Not direct that, no. Heavily um, involved. Heavily involved, did not direct. That was Wolfgang somebody. Um, oh, I'm like, Have you seen Beetlejuice, Chris? Yeah, Beetlejuice. Okay. I've seen Beetlejuice. Plan it's been a very long time. Charlie Fair. and the Chocolate Factory, Alice in Wonderland. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Alice in Wonderland. The new Dumbo? No. Did he do the new Dumbo? He did. Yes, he did. He did. Uh, Did I get Sweeney Todd on any of the lists? No. No. Sweeney Todd's so good. Um, uh, uh, I I guess I could say... His domestic partner is Bellatrix Lestrange. Look, uh, yeah, anything, he, yeah. in, anything past the 2000s is a possibility. Anything before yeah. then, I think, getting a little dancey. I think anything I've in... seen mostly New Age Burton. Okay, that's fine. I have not um, seen Scissor Hands. I have not seen um, Ed Wood, Mars Attack. Mars Attack. I, I have not seen. I have not seen those. He's made a lot. So, um, so we're just. I just want to focus on a few things. He's made two movies before this, so there are. I'll, I'll get into like the real interesting aspects of him if we ever do Pee Wee or especially Beetlejuice. Um, those are both really solid movies on their own right that I think are great curiosities or good movies, but certainly just fun, great times. Um, <clears throat> so Tim Burton. Tim Burton was born in uh, California. He grew Sounds up about in. Right. Uh, <laughs> He grew up basically near um, where uh, a lot of uh, he grew up. He grew up in Burbank, so he he grew up where a lot of TV and movies were shot. Um, he saw a lot of people going around in costumes. Like TV was all around. Um, it was very sunny. It was very sort of happy. Everyone was cheering and everything. And he was not. He was not that kind of dude. He was a dude that loved like Ag- Edgar Allan Poe poetry. He loved drawing weird, dark creatures. He loved old movies. He loved Hammer films. He loved Vincent Price. He loved weird shit. He dressed weird. He was just a dark, sad little emo. So doc. he was Austin, essentially. That sounds yeah. a lot like Austin. He just was a, <laughs> he was just a little sad boy. But like he wasn't. He had no reason to be. No one beat him. Um, he was not uh, – no one, like, really gave it uh, – he, he didn't, like, have any, like, mental disorder or anything, disability that really caused uh, a, sad, a great sadness. He just loved the aesthetic of sadness. He just loves the aesthetic of dark shit. That's just always how he's been. And he loves to draw. So – he went to school for drawing. He graduated, went to college in uh, California. He is most famously known for going to college with all the major players that would create both Pixar and DreamWorks. If you look at his college uh, school pictures, you can see him there with Brad Bird and uh, with Katzenberg and all of those people. He was around for all of that shit. He worked for Disney. He drew for Disney. He drew on Fox and the Hound. He drew on the Black Cauldron. He's been around for a while. Whoa. Like, just like Brad Bird, Disney at that time did not know what to do with these incredibly talented people. Disney was very smart at hiring people out the gate and then going, you are very talented at your job. Please draw the Disney traditional way we draw. Now, 
if they hadn't done this method, they wouldn't create the idyllic energy that would create the 80s Disney classics that exist now today. But also at that time, they were taking people that were too weird and too interesting and too diverse and unique and firing them and chopping them off the branch of the tree so that they could create this thing. So people like Brad Bird were so weird to Disney. They fired them at the time. He goes off and makes Iron Giant eventually. And then they're like, hey, why don't you come back and make The Incredibles for us? Come on, why don't you come back, Brad Bird, please? Hey, we got a famous doing that it's why they keep doing it at disney they fuck up at first and then they have to re- then they have to apologize and you gotta then keep proving to- yourself you gotta keep proving exactly. yourself i hate that aspect but um that's what happened to tim tim worked there for a long time and eventually on all these projects he was like they were like dude you're too fucking weird to fit into the mold of a disney idea of a feature film instead We are just going to give you some money to make some things, make some things. And if we like them, we'll put them out. Hell, we're just going to put them out because we're making them. But if we like him, we'll, we'll give you money to make bigger things, to make the ideas you want to make. And he's like, okay, cool. I want to make a short film called Vincent. And they're like, cool, make it stop motion film, black and white film about a young boy that wants to be in Vincent price. And in fact, they get Vincent price to actually voice the little boy. Uh, to narrate the story of the little boy. It's, it's very cute. And uh, it has a lot of the imagery and it really just represents who Tim Burton is as a person in general, a boy who's into this weird thing that kind of turns people off. But at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, he's got to go get dinner that his mom makes and he has to eat and, you know, sit with his family and have a good time and then go back to his room and do his homework. And then he can be sad again. It's very cute. Um, Disney hated it. <laughs> they fucking hated Ooh. it. And they were like, oh, this is too weird, man. Oh, fine. Go make something else. Uh, we have a go make the story of Hansel and Gretel. And he's like, cool. I'm going to make a kabuki style version of Hansel and Gretel. And I'm going to make these weird little faces. And I'm in the house with beds that reach out in hands and grab people and put weird faces on the on the house and everything. And it's going to scare the shit out of kids. Scared them so bad. They, they, they Disney didn't know what to do with it. It's on YouTube, sure, but they only aired it twice at 10 p.m. on the Disney Channel on Halloween. Like, why do I no- now all of a sudden want to see this? It's great. Like, well, it's it's very very good. The, the kids are very good. It's got nothing but Japanese actors. The the it some of the set design of the outside is really bad. It's like just paper. It's very cheap. But also, when you get to the house, you see where all the money's at. And they basically, these kids are eating the entire house, and they're just, it's messy, and you can tell they're having a ball. It's fantastic looking by that point. There's like a doll that talks to the kid, and he's like yelling at this kid to eat him. It's fucking insane. It's actually pretty dope. Um, and it reminds me a lot of why he would get Charlie and the Chocolate Factory later, as well as Pee Wee's Playhouse. But Disney fucking hated it. They were like, what's your deal, man? God damn it. Like, make something fuck. <laughs> I can imagine, like, a Disney executive just, like, cursing out this weird, God. just, like, like, like eccentric guy who just makes sad oh, things. You're good, but you're fucking creepy, man. Like, make something kids enjoy. Look, just we'll give you one last chance. Make something live action and make something that kids like. 
So he decides he's going to like make a leave it to beaver type thing. Um, he gets a neighborhood, he gets Daniel Stern, he gets Shelly Duvall, he gets some good people involved and he decides to make a short called Frankenweenie. And it's about a kid whose dog dies and he brings it back to life. And people are afraid of it until they realize, Oh, it's just a nice dog. You know, it's, it's Frankenstein, but with a dog, it's shot in black and white. It's beautiful at times. Um, the dog dies at the beginning. He brings it back to life. The neighborhood is freaked out. The parents know immediately, but they try to help. <laughs> and then eventually he, the dog saves the kid from a fire and everyone's like, yay, the, the dog's good again. Um, it's, it's actually was turned into a feature film in 2012 a stop motion film that tim burton did direct it's i in my opinion his last best film uh not last great film um it has a lot of the aesthetics but it's basically the same story um and he made it with disney but at the time when he made the short disney fucking hated it <laughs> what are you doing showing kids god the dog dies immediately it freaked the kids out it's fucking weird and it's it's immediately the dog gets hit by a car and you're like oh credits and it's like ugh, not fun like Wait, they the didn't dog know died just- again I don't know. The do- when the dog dies at the beginning, then the credits hit, and you're like, "Dude, that's fucking shocking." Well, actually, the dog does. <laughs> the dog dies when he saves the kid, and they, the town rallies together to save the dog. Um, it's very cute. Wow. Um, Frank and Winnie, the stop motion movie, is really great. But again, that proves years later he would work with Disney, and then eventually they're like, "Hey, that Frank and Winnie thing that we said sucked, man. Make it, man. Go ahead. Don't go do your fucking thing." And he was like, "Sweet, really?" And they're like, "Yeah, okay, I'll do it." So like. They gave him a chance to really flesh it out later. By that point, people knew what it was. Um, and But at that time, they hated it, and they fired him. They're like, you're fucking fired, man. Like, Oof. take this stuff. They're all calling cards. You made it with us. But, like, get get out. We don't know what to do with you, dude. This shit's weird. <laughs> um, so he was sitting around Hollywood, didn't have much to do, and an executive at Warner Brothers had seen all this stuff. And she was working with Paul Rubens. Do you know who Paul Rubens is? Why it rings a bell, but I can't put he's a the guy who does name. Pee-wee, he's the guy who does Pee Wee Herman. Ah. And it, so Pee Wee Herman is a character he created in the early 80s as like this bad comedian who would go up and do bad jokes. But people loved it. It became a one-man show. It became a whole fucking one-man show. And eventually a TV show in 1986. And it blew up. Blew up this team. Playhouse. Lawrence Fishburne started on that show. A lot of people came from that show. Um, And eventually he was like, I want to create I want to create a movie. I want to take this character on the big screen. And he's working with Warner Brothers. And there's a lot of like my favorite movies. (laughs) this This executive was aware of Tim Burton's work. She literally saw everything that he did, those three things, walked up to him and said, hey, do you want to make a movie called Pee-wee's Big Adventure? And he said, yes. It's literally the easiest job he's ever gotten in his life. He's like, I've had a harder job. I've had a harder time trying to get a job at a restaurant. I ever did getting the job for my first feature film. It's called Pee-wee's Big Adventure. It's fantastic, Chris. It's one of the best debuts of an earnest film, a young filmmaker around. Dude, it's so much fun. It's a road movie. Incredibly funny. I grew up with it. I love it. Pee-wee's Big Adventure is a hit. People love it. And Warner Brothers loves him. They're like, hey, man, we love you. Like, you, you, you can make whatever you want, man. Uh, but, like, 
you know, people loved Pee Wee. So do you, we're going to make another Pee Wee movie. Do you want to make it? And he's like, nah. And they're like, oh, dude, that's fine, man. Paul's cool with that. Like he's been doing his own thing for a bit. What do you want to make? And he's like, well, I'm looking around the scripts and I see the script you have for this guy called like House Ghost. And they're like, oh, that thing? Yeah, well, we like it too. If you want to make it, sure. Like, if you want to work on that and take her around, but you got to work on some other things. So he grabs some TV show jobs for some other uh, um, studios and stuff through Warner Brothers. And in the meantime, he's working on this movie that he's now turned into Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice is the second movie. And Don't he's say working it a third on time. His... Don't say it a third time. Well, Can't I'm talking about the, about the Bill movie. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Damn it. Oh, All right. Hey, everybody, what's up? Hey. It would be so funny if Peter came back right as he said the third. <laughs> Quick, Peter, Peter. You Peter. messed it up. Peter, uh, Peter, yeah. Peter. He wasn't going to show up. Uh, Peter, so, Peter, Peter. He, so, um, so he. I, I don't think Peter is, is Beetlejuice. He's taking a shit. So he's working on this movie. <laughs> So he's working on this movie and they're starting to like what he's doing with it. He does these TV spots and he's, they're really liking what he's doing with it. And that's when pause. Pause. So uh, all the way back in the 1930s, guy named Bob Kane creates a character named Batman, makes a comic out of it. People fucking love it. So they way start making, back. they start all making, over here. thank you, Chris. Thank you. Chris, can you hear me? Yeah. So I needed you to get way back for this exact reason. Okay. The 1930s. All right, you can come back now. Come on. Uh, Hurry up. Hurry up. Uh, Thanks. All right, so it's the 1930s. That's what that sounds like. guy named Bob Kane. He makes Batman, right? So by that point in the mid thirties, there are already serials on the big screen about Batman. And they're originally there with universal. Uh, They're really, they're pretty close to the idea of what Batman, who Bruce Wayne is, but not necessarily Batman himself by the fifties. The serials are for the forties. The serials are really fucking bad by the fifties. They've got cartoons. And by the sixties, you get the Adam West show. Now the Adam West show was a hit. People loved it, but it was a satire on the swinging 60s and then applied Batman to it, this dark aspect. But that, but by that point, the, co- the comics were the same way. There was a code applied to the comics in the early 40s, I believe. And then Batman went from somebody who was allowing the Joker to kill everyone every week to just, you know, hijinks of the crime kind. You know, no one was dying anymore. And things were getting a little cartoony in the comics, you know, uh, Captain Condiment and shit like that. That created the show in the 60s, which was a hit, which created the first Batman movie in in the 1960s, which is a pretty funny movie and holds up. It's got some good stuff to it. And it is a real strong representation of how you can take this character and turn it into an interesting, fun idea. Well, after a while, by the 80s, um, people were really getting sick of that image who loved Batman. were really getting sick of that image. The fans were like, that's not Batman. It's not who he really is. And it would take a while before that would start to change, but reruns of that sixties Batman ship go into the eighties. So in the middle of the sixties, there's this guy named Michael Uslan, and he is a young guy. He's setting up uh, – he's early in college, and he wants to be a teacher himself, a professor, and he's 
trying all these practice courses with his school. And if you get a practice course that they can work with, you can teach it as a student teacher. And he creates a course around comic books and treating them or looking at them with real analytical purpose and seeing how they represent modern day fables. And his dean is like, this is fucking stupid. I remember when I read comics as a kid, dude, but like, come on, no one takes this shit seriously. And then uh, Michael Uslan compared Superman to uh, Moses. And the Dean was like, holy shit. Uh, here's your course, bro. <laughs> so <laughs> he got the course. Big deal. This becomes a big deal. Nowadays, there's comic book college courses everywhere, but he becomes a professor in comic books. He writes a book the next year. DC and Marvel want to talk to this guy, and he decides to go to DC and work with comics them the most. And his first goal when he gets to start to work with them is, I want to make a serious fucking Batman movie. That's my goal. And he decides that he needs to get into the movie business as well and meet a producer. And that's when he meets a guy named Ben Melnecker. Now, both of these guys really see eye to eye on what they want and they get their ideas together and with dc's permission they get the rights to any batman material that's ever made in live action that isn't a tv show they then go to all the studios and they start pitching shit and at this point in the mid-70s superman has come out and everyone loved superman superman is the first real comic book movie and it's a success it's fucking great actually the second movie is really good but the director's cut is better and we wouldn't get that till the early 2000s the third movie is something and the fourth movie's trash and the fifth movie is actually a supergirl movie so if we ever do those movies we would end on supergirl um and by that that's the like late 80s so superman had been driven into the ground by that point by, by 1989, there were no Superman movies on the plate. There were no real comic book movies on the plate of superheroes. Sure, we saw Marvel with Howard the Duck, but that's not really a superhero movie, despite the fact that uh, that's what the narrative is. It's the narrative of a superhero movie, but it isn't really a superhero. Um, uh, Howard the Duck. These guys work really hard trying to find a studio, and then what Superman does really well, they're like, well, fuck, why don't we just go to Warner Brothers? Now so they the go to Warner Brothers, and Warner Brothers is like, huh, so you want to make a serious movie about Batman that gets all the gothic and dark shit? And they're like, yeah. And they're like, I think we've got the guy for you. <laughs> knock, knock, knock. Tim Burton's out of knock on his door. And they're like, Peter? there he is. Peter, you I missed an I'm excellent Beetlejuice cue. Because Alex was talking about Beetlejuice, and we were just like, don't say it a third time. And then (laughs) then Zach just goes, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. And then you didn't show up. And I was like, you you messed it up. You messed it up. Sorry, dude. You're not not a dead party ghost, so. That's true. Although I think it would be fun to be a dead party ghost. Um, Of course it would. Did you Uh, know Casper? He was not a party ghost. He was a kid. So uh, sad. That's just tragic. Yeah. All right. As you were, Alex, Tim Burton. So, uh, Tim Burton and Michael Uslan and Ben Melnecker meet and they're like, cool, make our movie. But they're like, we need some real strong producers to get involved. So they call a guy named Peter Gruber, um, who 
He's made some stuff. He's made a big stuff. He's made money before, but I don't know. I think he cares more about making the money. He mm. does. Not, I would say uh, he's in the document. There's a great documentary series about all these movies that was made in 2004, new DVD release. They get everyone involved for interviews. Shit, people that weren't even involved with the movies, but could have been. Like these interviews are great. And they get, they get uh, Peter Gruber on there and he's like, He's just like, look, it was a great idea. We had all these great actors. Everyone involved was perfect. And the great thing was it was going to make the money people happy. The money people are happy. Then we get the money letter, baby. That's how every sentence ended with him. It was crazy. And then I'm going to be honest, Chris, uh, Alex, for a second there. It sounded like you were trying to imitate Donald Trump. uh, Well, I'd say there's actually there's a there is a way to listen, say we're going to make a great movie, say impersonate him but i don't want to do it necessarily i think there's a better person who impersonates him somewhere else and i'll talk about that later but uh there was a a (laughs) producer on this let's see god who was the john fucking spider in wild wild west peters is back again baby Uh. but why do you think there's so much fucking prince in this movie oh chris has left Chris is gone. Um, well, I'll answer. Chris, Chris, Chris. Just kidding. He's gone for another. Not party guest. Okay. Okay. I'm gonna need some extra calories for this one. No. Okay. Uh, fair. Okay. Uh, so, um, John Peters, of course, very recently portrayed by Bradley Cooper in the movie Licorice Pizza by P.T. Anderson. Um, he uh, was Barbara Streisand's hairdresser and famously got involved. <laughs> into Superman and Batman fights. <laughs> Anytime there's a Superman or Batman movie, <laughs> it, he is involved in the production of it. That is true. And this a lot guy, of this has to do with involvement here. This guy is the definition of finessing the fucking system. He worked his way up. Uh, yeah. He shouldn't he really, have. Really shouldn't have. Shouldn't have. Um, so, so are you going to explain re- where the giant spider is in this movie? Oh, it's Prince. Why do you think there's so much Prince in this? It's John fucking Peters. Gotcha. All right. Yeah. Continue. So uh, after a while, by the second movie, uh, Gruber and Peters are the reason, a big reason why Tim Burton did not want to make movies with them anymore. They really kind of scared him off with this shit. They also scared off uh, Uslan and uh, Melnecker too. Like they scare off a lot of people. It tends to be their bag. Um, so all of these people get together and they start working on the process of making this movie. Um, they start working on the ideas of it, who they want to get involved. But before they can get a green light, they need one last thing to happen. They're like, look, Tim, you're very talented. We liked everything you did before you worked for us. Pee Wee Herman was a great thing. And we fucking like everything you're doing with Beetlejuice. But unless Beetlejuice is a hit, you're not making Batman. Beetlejuice comes out. It's a fantastic fucking hit. So they're like, all right, okay, you're making Batman then. Who do you want to be Batman? And he's so like, Peter... I don't know if you heard this before, but when like Alex is going through like Tim Burton's like origins and like how he like made just a bunch of weird stuff that Disney just didn't like, like, um, I made the point of like you're just constantly proving yourself at that point. Like you all like that's all you do now is just constantly proving yourself. <laughs> it's like oh, if Beetlejuice is a, unless Beetlejuice is a hit, you're not making Batman. I was just like, you gotta keep proving yourself. It just doesn't stop. We're allowing him to make Beetlejuice, which in and of itself was a blank check. 
But what they were asking him to do was to play in the big leagues, to make a top gun. We want you to make an Indiana Jones. We want, we want you to be responsible for it. And not only that, it's a character that's been forever that people do not want you to fuck up. So we got you here. We want you to say yes. He said yes, and we're all pretty happy. What's your plan, bro? And he's like, all right, I got a plan. They're like, okay, first question. Who's your Batman? He's like, Michael Keaton. They went, fuck! <laughs> Michael Keaton? The guy's a funny man. What are you talking about? He's hosting us, and I was doing all this silly shit. Mr. Mom? You want Mr. Mom to be Batman? He's like, he's my Beetlejuice. He's my Batman. It's this process throughout the way. Like, he has these weird answers, these weird decisions, how he's going to do things. And then he's like, who do you want to be the Joker? Well, they look at a few people. And as they're doing this process, it's like Tim's got all the right ideas. But then Gruber and Peters are like, hey, why don't we get Bill Murray in? And then we get Eddie Murphy to play Robin. And then we have it be all funny again. And they're like, stop fucking talking. Stop. We have to figure this out. And they're like, we need somebody good. We need to make this movie legitimate. Jack Nicholson. How are we going to get Jack Nicholson? Well, we'll ask. Well, they do ask. What does Jack Nicholson want? All the money in the world and to be the highest paid actor in any movie. So, okay, they gave him that. And <laughs> and Jack Nicholson is now attached to this movie to be the Joker. And they work everything out. Um, they have a woman named Sean Young to play the Kim Basinger character. Uh and she is set all the way up there to do it. Blade and Runner. Blade Runner. Uh, Blade Runner. Ventura, pet detective. Um, she makes it. Yeah, she's. Uh, oh, oh, Einhorn is Finkel. Finkel is Einhorn. Uh oh, Einhorn is Finkel. Finkel is Einhorn. This is Chris So, do you remember Ace Ventura, pet detective? Crepe, uh, correct, Peter? Crepe, yeah. Crepe, yes, the Crepe and Pet Detective. You remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But do you also remember seeing that movie? Yes. Okay, so the bad guy, the police detective woman slash man, is Sean Young. Okay, who and did that, she play in that movie? She played Finkel <laughs> is Ironhorn. Ironhorn is Finkel. She's the bad guy. Yeah, man. Show <laughs> <laughs> So she's meant to be Vicky Vale. She, there's a scene in the movie where they're meant to be horseback riding, her and Bruce Wayne. They're practicing for it. She's learning how to ride a horse. She falls off the horse, breaks her leg, can't be in the movie. And they take the scene out of the movie. And Kim Basinger was their second choice, and she was able to come, so they asked her to do it. And that's why she's involved. Um, hmm. There's a lot of closeness to Superman in the structure to what this movie is outside of the relationship between Batman and Joker. Vicky Vale is basically Lois Lane. And uh, yeah, the Mark and the other guy, the other reporter, Robert Wool, is basically um the fucking reporter kid um from Superman, but they've switched the roles. Uh she's the reporter, she's the photographer and he's the reporter rather than the other way around for Superman. So they really didn't change anything. Vicky Vale's not a major character in Batman. She's just a side thing. And Robert Roll's character is just a side character. So you know this is big. Commissioner Gordon, Alfred are the two main things. They had a Robin story, but they took that out. And the intention was always for Lando to also be Harvey Dent throughout. He was, also, he was always meant to be carried through. They hired him specifically 
to turn into Two-Face at some point if these movies continued on. Can um, I ask a question, Alex? Yes. Was that decision met with backlash? Of I guess I'm just traumatized him, these days, but like Harvey Dent being, being, yeah. I don't think anyone necessarily cared because this movie was so beloved when it came out. Okay, but like I'm talking like before the movie came out. Probably, but that didn't worry the studio at the time because Harvey okay. Dent's character was so small. But I will say, Chris, we're going to put a pin in this. Okay. Dan, Dan Olson, put a pin in it. Your instincts are not wrong. We're going to put a pin in. We're going to put a pin in that and come back as the series <laughs> continues. Put a put a pin in it. We're going to put a because of course Two Face does come back, but who does not? We're going to talk about what happened because it's oh. also not in this series. A multi-week so, pin. A two. Let's put. We'll call them the races and pins, and we'll say there's two of them, and we'll say they're very similar, and we'll say they're going to come back. Oh boy. Oh boy. Oh boy. And that um but people were more pissed off about Keaton. Um Ooh. the second time, uh the music Danny Elfman, Danny Elfman was part of a band called Oingo Boingo. He had done the music for Pee Wee's Playhouse and other things. <laughs> Pee Wee's Playhouse was a- uh, Oingo Boingo has <laughs> That's a great name, dude. <laughs> it, it has dude, he's, he's married he's married to Bridget Fonda. He's got a great life. Um I think he's we too in, early, guys. We were born too late. I mean, settled into his scores these days. I would say, as like, I think he's a little bit lazy these days in some capacities. But uh, back then, he was not known as being a film film score guy, a huge guy. But I do think this is one of the greatest scores of all time. Listening to it this week was so much fun. Um, and he'd only want do done two movies with Burton before, but this is that they really figured out their momentum here. Um, same set designer that he would use for and production design for all of his movies up until about Planet of the Apes. And then after that, things start to get a little bit too CGI for him. Maybe Big Fish. I'm not sure, but I don't think so. Um, everything works together pretty well. The magic works. It's all good. And then eventually the movie comes out. It's the biggest fucking goddamn hit ever. It's uh, it's. So huge, but here's Wasn't one it like one of the highest grossing films of all time at some point of all time. Yes. Uh, at that point, certainly, certainly for comic books, certainly ever, ever. This is, this was a VHS that everyone had in their house. If you walk to somebody's house and you're like, let's watch a movie 10 to one. You're watching fucking Batman. Um, the other thing is they really didn't prepare for the toys. This was for toys. Sure. But they were not prepared. Oh, oh man. So the toys are not great. The toys are made by a company that is sort of, sort of fledgling. They got the job as a side thing. There were some Batmans. There were some Jokers. And there, there, there were some Bobs, sidekick Bobs. A lot of Bobs. A lot of people have Bobs. I'll tell you that much. But that company eventually used that money to grow and fund other things, including, oh, I don't know, the starts of the MC fucking you. Like if Batman did not happen, there would be no MCU. The f- yeah. the ways that Michael Uslan and his fingers have gone on to make things the way they are is amazing. If you ever wanted to make a movie about how we should go back in time and stop superhero movies, you just have to go back in time and kill Michael Uslan. <laughs> That's all you have to do. It's insane. 
Um, it's a Denmark. huge hit. It's a huge hit. Everyone loves it. I see it all the time. And they're immediately are like, we want to make a second one. And Burton, at the time he made this, it was very stressful for him. He wasn't a big fan of Batman, but he just liked the idea of making whatever this was going to be. And they talked him into it specifically by saying, we don't want you to make a Batman movie. We want you to make a movie you want to make. And I'm going to rephrase that next week episode to what it clearly was suggested for him to do. But you'll see. Uh, In this case, there's a lot of overhead stuff. And he was like, I like working for Warner Brothers, but it was a lot. So if he was going to come back, he was going to get a lot of leeway to do certain things. And we'll get to that. Because he made a movie in between that. He made Edward Scissorhands between Batman and Batman and uh, Batman Returns. But that's it. Like, it was a huge, massive hit. And these movies are going to get more in-depth and interesting as we go along in terms of what happens behind the scenes. But Burton himself was slamming fucking home runs. Like, Pee-wee's Pee-wee's Big Adventure and Beetlejuice are amazing. Pee-wee is not his idea, but it's, it's obvious that he brought his own... Uh, own style to somebody else's world and therefore elevated it in the process. Beetlejuice is somebody else's idea again, but all, all his visual doing. And both of those things you look at and you're like, something fucking fascinating is happening here. And then he makes this, and then he makes scissor hands, and then he makes returns, then he makes Ed Wood. That's an unbelievable run for any filmmaker. Yet and people then still doubted him. Well, he had only made two feature it films. Only, in a few it would only make sense. <laughs> One studio had worked with him. A few people were trusting. A lot of people trusted him. A woman, a lot, a lot of people did. It wasn't that they didn't trust him. To it, It's the things they trusted him with. They trusted him to make a movie with a lot of money and do anything he would want to do. And that was Beetlejuice. But to trust him to make something that, that was going to continue to make him money 10 years down the line, that's another story. Make something that's going to get everyone in the seats, not just the weirdo people who like movies. We want to get everyone, and that was Batman. They didn't know if he could do that yet until he did it with a weirdo movie, and then they were like, make it. Let's make a Batman movie. And they give him more – his first – here's the thing. Beetlejuice is not his original screenplay, but it is all his vision. Edward Scissorhands is all his vision. But if you're looking for an absolute blank check, you can do whatever you want. Movie, it's Batman Returns. It's the most Tim Burton-y movie that there ever is. And we're going to get to it. But that, wow. that's it. My, my next question to you, Chris, would be, how did you like your return to Batman? How did you like it this time around? <laughs> Timely return to Batman. I have the universal return to Batman, apparently. Deja vu. I have been in this space before. I have, wherever however that song goes. Um, that's basically what I kind of felt because, like, for the longest time, when I didn't know any better, I'm not saying it's a bad choice, but like, Dark Knight was my absolute be- favorite movie of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, that's because that was that was before I had started this podcast. It is. It is. Well, that's not a bad movie to have, considering your age range. But also, I believe it is Fury Road currently, correct? Uh, very what? Your favorite movie is Fury Road, currently, Fury correct? Fury Road, yes. I have an affinity for sequels. Um, seeing this movie reminded me a lot of Dark Knight. 
Like there Agreed. were a lot there were a lot of similarities. Um yeah, to me there were uh there were a lot of similarities. Heck, this shot were um <laughs> like this shot is uh the scene where uh Jack Nicholson falls into the vat of uh, acid or whatever it is. This toxic sludge. Um that would be the precursor to Nickelodeon slime. Um Slime was before then, I believe. Was it really? Yeah, the show uh you don't I could have sworn it was show... a nineties thing. Oh whatever. I don't know. You television started in the mid eighties. Gotcha. So anyway, um this like a warehouse scene. Where else did we see a Batman kicking ass in a warehouse? Batman versus Superman. How did that end? He deflected a bullet and the dude exploded. He deflected a bullet. No, he fired a bullet. In this movie, he deflected a bullet and the dude fell off a ledge. Yeah. Like, I couldn't help but see these similarities. You know what my favorite one is? Watching that was in Batman versus Superman. Um, no, to Dark Knight, actually. When the Joker... For me, it was the ending. Real quick, sorry, Alex. But like for me, it was the ending. The whole last bit. He's ascending a tower to get to the Joker to eventually just like throw him off, except it ends differently. He does get he does get uh, a rope tied to his ankle, and instead of getting saved, it's actually what kills him. Yeah. In, in Dark Knight, he uses it to save him. In this movie, he kills him. Actually, what my favorite one was in this movie when the Joker um, sees his face in the mirror for the first time and the way he laughs. If you look at that shot, it's in a room that's in nothing but like white tiles and metal. The music score is nothing but high-pitched violins. He's hunched over. You're from behind him, and he's laughing. It is very reminiscent of the shot of Ledger walking through the kitchen doors in Dark Knight. Ah. I was... Audibly, everything I was like, whether this is a coincidence or not, highly reminds me of that moment. Highly reminds me of it. Just little things. But, yeah, it's just a movie about bat of, like, the Joker taking over gotham and the batman having to find him left and right like so now you you can now i have not i think before this i had not seen this movie start to finish wow so now i know nicholson's joker yes and the last i think the last thing off my blind spot list is caesar is caesar romero caesar romero's joker that's all I'm missing, really, when it comes to people who have played the Joker. Um, you, you can kill that in 20 minutes or in an hour and a half. Honestly, the movie right. is a good presentation of all. The movie's great because it has all the villains in one situation, so you get to see all of them have fun. And I think the jokes are a bit better in the movie. His look, Cesar Romero's Joker look, is like nightmare fuel. Like, a imagine waking up to that. Like, No, no, I don't want to see that. No. Mm, I, I don't mind it. Anyway, um, one thing work. Um, but like, yeah, I hadn't really, I've only seen like New Age Burton. I haven't really seen this dark, but like seeing uh, Nicholson's Joker is just like, it kind of brings up something about this movie that I kind of struggled with. And that was tone? Mm hmm. I was really, str- I was really like struggling with it. It's just like, okay, I know it's like, I know where this is going, 
But this movie isn't really a solid indication of that direction. Like, I feel like somewhere between here and forever, there's a hard right. Or there's like a hard turn somewhere. Cause it's like forever. So like, because like this doesn't, I'm very interested to see how this is going to compare to forever, <laughs> even though it's probably not going to be great, but it's not going to be a great comparison, but it did, like, the, well, first, I don't think to see forever, where, to see where it forever. was to where it's going is going to be nuts. Come on. Uh, so what, I guess what you're saying is this movie's already pretty campy and goofy already. More, more so than, more so than I was expecting it to be based on what I'm seeing, like, right now, like, right now, they're, uh, they, uh, Alfred just went to bed and he's, uh, Kim Bassinger and uh, Michael Keaton are talking to each other. Yeah, they and, suck. Pff, that's how it always yeah. ends with Bruce Wayne. Um, but, um... But, like, there's a lot of goofiness in it that's, like, this movie kind of, to me, is a little bipolar. When it's goofy, it's goofy. There's, like, Joker gas spewing from a, a Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade blimp. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. But when it's, like, serious, um, but when, when, yeah, when it's, like, uh, serious or like when it tries to be serious or like just like or just chill in general um it just it it goes extreme in either direction like at times and i was kind of having a hard time adjusting to that it was like okay what are you really trying to get out of this it's like why are we like why are we this goofy at the same then it just like then it'll be like a serious scene of like Hmm, what's a good example? Like, maybe some of the early scenes, like, pre-Joker Nicholson. Of just, like, maybe that's just, like, the hard directions. I, I don't, I don't want to single, I don't want to single that example out around, around, um, I don't Nicholson. Because that's, that's a hard, because that's a ten, intentionally a extreme jump. But, um, just the whole tone shifting, where it's, like, extremely goofy at one end, and then not very... Like it just like hard serious on the other, kind of was just like they didn't really seem like they really knew what they wanted as a whole. Like they hadn't like they wanted to do bat they they wanted to do Batman, but they didn't want to be goofy. But that's what that's the Batman they knew. So I feel like they were trying to like appease two extreme. It felt to me they were trying to like balance out two extremes. Talk me off this cliff, though, because, like, th- that's where I was kind of struggling with at some points. I-, I think what you – I think what you need to understand from my perspective is that there's so many ways that you can view Batman. It's kind of fucking ridiculous. He's basically been around for almost an entire century. So you and I live in completely different microcosms of that century. I live in a world where Batman may have existed on comics and may have been a cartoon, but he wasn't an actual living, breathing idea until this movie existed. And when he existed, I was three fucking years old. It was everywhere. 
I grew up with these four movies. They are my childhood. So I grew up with the aspect that Gotham itself was the strongest character of these movies and not necessarily Batman himself. It's why he's interchangeable. But also I understood that Burton from this film to the next film doesn't really keep a lot of things the same way. And it'll be interesting when we get to that one. You're missing the a huge puzzle piece, and that's the second one. But he was also an, always a comedy filmmaker. Beetlejuice is a fucking funny movie, and Pee-wee's Big Adventure is an, an it's abs- absurdist. It's a crazy movie. He was a comedy filmmaker. So yes, there's a sense of comedy here, but you also gotta you gotta get on him a little bit. Yeah, I think he lets Jack Nicholson's scenes run a little bit long. But I think the two biggest things that he was most interested in was the a the look of it, which is Gotham itself, which is I'm going to do this Art Deco 1930s vibe, which I fucking love. And is the I think the reason the third man and old movies are my favorite thing ever is this fucking movie. I watched this movie as a kid and I was like, I love this look and I carried it with me the rest of my life. Watching it now, I'm pretty fucking sure that that is it. And then second. Batman is a fucking weirdo, right? Yeah. He's a guy who dresses up at night as a bat and beats the shit out of criminals. Doesn't give their money. Doesn't, you know, doesn't save the family or call the cops. He beats the shit out of criminals. He could use his money for better reasons, but he beats the shit out of criminals. And then here's the other thing. He doesn't know how to be rich. He doesn't know how to be a playboy. All he does is sit and wait for the proper time to be Batman. He has parties so that he can spy on people to get more information to continue to be Batman later. In the next movie, literally there's a scene where he just sits in his room and waits for the signal. Batman is sad. He sleeps fucking upside down. All of these elements, I think, are great. And they're all tied to the major thing about this movie. Which is, in my opinion, Robert Wool and Kim Basinger is the shit that needs to go. Is it cool that like he has a woman? Is it cool they have sex? I don't care about any of that stuff. But the heart of the movie is that Jack Nicholson killed his parents and therefore created Batman, who also created him. But like, that's the thing. They're two sides of the same coin. It's this a conversation that Joker has in The Dark Knight. This movie is the first one to actually embody it. So, yes, so, you can talk about tone and stuff like that. I think that's Robert Wall going around improvising like a reporter and being like, hey, what's up, legs? I don't have tickets to this thing. Like, I like that actor. Come on. He doesn't deserve to be in this shit. Take that out. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. Like, I absolutely hated that guy. <laughs> I, I hated him. Hate him. <laughs> to be honest, uh. I think funny i like his jokes i don't think they fit in what could make this film stronger and better his stuff take it out can basically just stuff fine all her story is is that she has sex with a rich guy and then is concerned why he doesn't decide to see her again that's it <laughs> and the joker sees a picture of the fact that she's hanging out with her and gets involved with her and then he starts to get involved now chris you're not wrong about a lot of these elements for example when they go up to the building at the end, Jack Nicholson literally looks at Tim Burton when they get to that set. And he's like, what are we doing here? And he goes, I don't know, man, we're going to figure it out when we get here. Like there's a lot of things they didn't know. There's a lot of things they didn't understand because 
Tim Burton had never made a movie like this. He's working with a lot of people. He's got two people that understand his vision and two people that do not. And they're clashing against him. Well, all at the same time, I think he does understand the character of Batman. And I think he does understand the the city of Gotham and how it should look. But I don't think he understands how to take the character of Batman further than this. Um, Which is why in the next movie, there's way more villains as well as more toys. So, but to that, that reminded me of a point hmm. that I did want to make that I just realized that I hadn't made yet. Yeah. And that's um, <laughs> seeing this Batman in contrast to Nolan's Batman, which is the Batman I grew up with. Mm-hmm. Not the, unfortunately, not the, uh, the animated Batman. I grew up with the animated Batman in Justice League. Um, Same Batman. I did grow up with that, but I I know, but like that's not his show. I I respond. I'm saying like I could have responded to that, but for some reason I chose these. So that's not even a reference to me, really. So, but seeing this, it's like, wow, Batman was a different thing. Like comic book movies in general were just a different thing. I feel like I've forgotten that because I haven't seen a lot of comic book movies out of this era. Mm-hmm. Like of like mid eight of like no not even mid eighties like seventies to nineties like I hadn't seen a lot of comic book movies of that era and to see this Batman in contrast to in contrast with <laughs> he gives the guy the handshake and he just convulses and melts it. That was great. I did like Nicholson. I do like Nicholson's Joker. When he's first introduced, and he's just firing that gun, just like, bang, bang, bang. <laughs> oh, and he runs out of ammo. He's just like... <laughs> um, that was that was pretty good. But um, anyway, back to my point. <laughs> go. I do like that healing power of laughter. Um, so... I totally lost track of my. I totally lost tra- uh, lost my train of thought in just that, that scene. Um, You're talking but like about seeing the, Nolan's Batman. Yeah, like um, we don't. Man, this like. You, no, you know what? I forgot where I was going. But like, okay, more maybe maybe I was trying to say like, it's more of just like culture shock, almost. To say that, like, this is what Batman was to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's crazy to see that. It's crazy to see that now. And, and it's look, coming back. And it's coming back, apparently. And, but to look back at this after, like, we've already experienced maybe the best performance of the Joker. To think that it gets better than this. Like, it's crazy. Because Nicholson does a heck of a great job. Some people... The, for being paid more money than any in, of us in this room will probably In understand. fairness, Chris, to some people, Nicholson is still better than Ledger. Agreed. Some people think Nicholson is great. Some people think Phoenix is great. Some people think Hamill is great. It's an interesting character that can be expressed differently. Batman, I think, is the one that has finally maybe hit his a new, new charge with Pattinson. I think we're going to be, I think you guys are going to be interested with Kilmer. I really like Looney sucks. And Bale is solid. He's solid. But, and maybe so solid that I don't appreciate him enough. 
but I think you guys will be impressed with uh, the, what they do script-wise with Kilmer and Forever. Forever's so going to be fun. I... Oh man, I do like my I do like Michael Keaton. I do like Michael Keaton as as this Batman. Um cuz like I am so sorry everybody. I'm having trouble forming words tonight. Um so oh man, I I I, I that guy is just such the worst haircut. I swear to god. It reminds me of Jabrams and I'm having trouble maybe flashbacks. Um so I have to like literally look at him for years. I don't want to think about the Jabrams. Um but uh I do I do like uh I'm not sure actually you know what? I like I like Keaton's Bruce Wayne more than I do Christian Bales. I think maybe because like there's more there's more charm, he's more like human. Yeah. You know, he's not like over the top he's not like it's like because like bruce wayne doesn't know how to be a billionaire he pretends to be he pretends to know how to be a billionaire mm-hmm. like i like the idea that he's not pretending to be a billionaire he's just a nice dude who has some serious trauma yeah and who could like rip you in half if he if he wanted to I mean, they do the work to solidify why Bale is the way he is, why he makes the decisions to do the things he does, why he is Batman. And that's why I love Batman Begins, man. They really do the work to legitimize to to legitimize why someone in his position acts the way he does and does the things he does. This film is just like, what a fucking weirdo, right? Ah, he's all right. Good guy. Like he's just a normal dude. But that's that's Tim Burton, which is, hey, when you look at him, he's a guy who dresses like a bat with a lot of money who beats up criminals at night. But really, he's just a guy who's trying to do the right thing. And his sense of fear is basically a reflection of his own. And that that is Tim Burton in a lot of his movies. As Edward Scissorhands, the whole movie, you're like, this is a nice guy. But when the fuck is he going to cut somebody with those goddamn scissor hands? Like that's that's I think he responds to that aspect of him. But he also doesn't take him any further than that. And that's why the script aspect of Joker killing his parents is the only time it works well is in this movie. Because mm-hmm. it also explores him from that angle. I'm going to ask something- a question. My favorite asking- thing is the, that aspect. I'm going to ask a yes or no question. <coughs> in the next movie, do we see the signs starting to point to Harvey Dent's turn. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to say yes and no, because I really want to know. I really want to know if I'm going to say no and yes. Because I want to know what Billy D. Willie, what they, what, where that direction was going. Cause like, I want to know what, I want to see like those small little, signs of like just like you know those like little twitches you just you know just like what what, how does he handle that what like what was he expecting to do in the in the third movie if if, it but yeah first of all he's not in the second movie
never mind. Um, that's why I said put a pin in it because I'm not done. I'm going to tell you. Let me put it this way, Chris. Keep the pin in it. Keep the pin in it. Keep the pin in it. I need you to know something because to answer your question, you need to do a little bit of work. And I will tell you what happens next week, but I do want you to do some homework in that aspect. And it's this. There's a character in the next movie. His name is Max Streck. He was supposed to be Harvey Dent. You will watch the movie. Do I have to watch Streck? No, no. You you. You just watch Batman. <laughs> Character Max Batman Returns was supposed to be Harvey Dent, and it's not. So his arc is supposed to have led to what Two Face would be, and that's not spoiling much. Just and, he, and here's the thing: Shrek is not in Batman Forever. Two Face is. It's just if you look at these three movies and if you were to make them one character, it makes sense what they were trying to do. But I will tell you what happened in the next movie. But your, the answer to your question is the, the watching of Max Shrek's arc in the next movie. Michael Keegan with the full head of hair scares me. Uh, you just got to watch more movies with him, man. I do. Uh, anyway, um, but like – Seeing Lando as Harvey Dent, like there's the Star Wars guy in me is just like, that's Lando. That's the swindler. He's Gotham's white knight. Who's going to have, who's going to develop schizophrenia. (laughs) In this movie, he is supposed to represent the good of Harvey Dent. Yes, he's supposed to be the politician that is trying to do good, that hasn't been corrupted yet. That is what he's supposed to represent here. I do think they casted him, yes, to be that Lando character of someone who was good, who's turned bad, who may be good again. But this time they're like, no, 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 no. Let's have him be good, then bad. And he did not get that opportunity. And they eventually turned the storyline into three different characters. Um, okay. Um, visually, I kind of i do dig it like i have i do feel like i've seen a lot similar to it because i've seen everything ahead of it it's like one of those things you know like you see a movie that pretty much nails this visual like um that that nails this uh visual consistency down um like this visual look like what you've seen it once, you've seen it a thousand times, and so like, like you know what I'm, do you know what I'm saying? Like, you can make that about Star Wars. I right, exactly. <clears throat> but um, well, like yeah, I do. Also, there's one thing I did notice when he's in front of the computer. Did anybody else get like interstellar flashbacks to when they get the computer? <laughs> <laughs> to when they get the messages from their loved ones through that computer on the satellite. Actually, that yeah. space station. <laughs> I was like, it. I was thinking Interstellar. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> I, was like, I was like, that's Interstellar. Like, if that's not Interstellar, I'm I, I'm not gonna know what to do with myself. But um, yeah, like the music, like maybe I just haven't seen a lot of Danny. I haven't heard a lot of Danny Elfman. I feel like he got worse after this. I mean, I feel like he put if he either plateaued or started to decline after this. He did the Spider-Man movies. 
Right. Okay, maybe, okay, no. I feel like there was a point where, like, I'm comparing, like, this to, um, like, Weed and Cut. Oh, that's horrible. Yeah, that's a horrible score. That's a bad Somewhere score. in the middle, he, put, <laughs> he, he went down. I mean, yeah. I mean, yes. Like, this is him early, early in his career of film scores. Like, the Pee Wee film score is amazing. Uh, again, he worked with, he would work with Burton and other stuff, too. Uh, Mars Attacks is really fun. Um, this is his best score. Honestly, I think. Yeah. Like, I'll I think this is what he's known for. This is best what he's known for. It's just so good. Also it's for Fifty so Shades. Good. It's not even just the Batman theme. It's the violins. It's the movement. Just like... Yeah. It's so proud. You get like it's not just because this is my childhood again. Like I think it's just a beautiful score, and I need to look at more of what Elfman would do. And I'm not the biggest Oingo Boingo fan, but he has made consistent st- stuff for at That's least another ten. Man, I wish I, I really wish like if we were ever to start a band that that would have been our name. That was it, guys. I, I gotta say, probably one of the best scenes in the movie is when he kills the TV woman with the laughing shit. Oh my gosh! I had the music. Oh, she's just like laughing. Oh, oh, she's dying on live television. Oh, okay, the video producer in me is like cringing so hard that something's happening on live television. <laughs> <laughs> but it's live though. Oh. Uh, yeah, like when there's a blooper live, it it just I just I tense up. I was like, ah, ah fix it, because I can imagine being on set for that. Just being like, she okay? She's laughing at three dead people. <laughs> I just be like, Argh. um, maybe that's just the control freak in me. And speaking of which, there's there's the scene right there, um, right on cue. Um, yeah, I just like okay. Here's one more thing. Bert, one thing that I have noticed. I don't know if this diminishes at all with his later stuff i know most of alice in wonderland was pretty cg my god michael not michael keaton tim burton knows how to make a set these sets are great gotham looks great like man um he he yeah he started he started with practical stuff and animation so detail is very important to him so when he got the money to ha- say that when he lived when he worked at a time where he was like uh i have all the money in the world to make whatever i want and they're like yeah so i can make this yeah i can make this i can make that yeah and then when money got tighter and he had the ability to animate on a computer that entire scenario he loved cgi it's not that he believes in practicality. He did it because they could, and he had the money. He believes in CGI, and it's ruined his career. Honestly. Really? To lied too heavy on it. That's just. That's why I love Frankenweenie. It's same mixture, trap. The same trap as Ron Emmerich. Well, his last practical-looking movie of any real quality. I haven't seen Dumbo, but probably Sweeney Todd. Nicholson had to be paid that much money to act this well. That's nuts. The only other time I would say he's ever acted like this is The Departed. Oh, I thought it was last Tuesday. No, I don't think there's any performance where he is 
this bug nuts crazy where they were like literally no. whatever the fuck you want. And honestly, oh no, was, Zach. Oh, I'm sorry, man. We didn't get exactly. to his opinion. Oh, sorry. Yeah, sorry. If you want, I can give you my opinion shortly before I leave. Get out of here. Sure. <laughs> Go. Go for it. So I do love this movie. I so I'm in a weird age group where this was the first Batman movie I ever saw. Mm-hmm. Uh, this movie came out only like four years before I was born. So it was still pretty fresh in most people's minds when I was growing up. In fact, I can remember this being one of the first movies I ever saw that was not an animated movie. I can remember watching it on TV. I believe it was ABC. My parents owned one of those shitty portable TVs that, like, you got the signal through. And the first movie I saw was this one, was Batman 1989 with Michael Keaton. I love everything about this movie. I love Jack Nicholson. I think them getting Keaton was, like, ingenious. I mean, this is what most people knew, Michael, as, at least in my age, knew who Michael Keaton was through this movie. Uh, like, Michael Keaton wasn't a comedian to us. He was Batman. Um, Yeah, the, there's things magical about this movie. And as far as I'm, I was aware at the time... This is the thing that, in my opinion, started Tim Burton's full career. Obviously, he did Beetlejuice, and I didn't—I wasn't aware of Beetlejuice a long after this. But it's a fun movie. I love it. What'd you grade? That's a hard one. Um, would you say as a movie or in the span of Batman movies? Oh, dude. So as a movie, I think it's an A. It's very good, very well made, very stylish, very fun. As a Batman movie, I don't think it's quite that high. I think there are definitely better Batman movies. You counting animated shit? Yes. Fight. What? Thought you would, you bastard. Um, as far as Batman movies are concerned, I think it's an A minus. Like, I think it it gets the aesthetic of Gotham right, better than I think almost any Batman movie I know. I do think the sh- I do think the show Gotham does a better Gotham than this, and I think that. Uh, to an extent, Batman Begins also has a really good Gotham. But again, it's a more modern Gotham, a more more inner city Gotham, not not a gothic Gotham. Um, I, I appreciate what you're saying. I do think that Gotham's show understands the character of Gotham better than anything. But at, at, uh, in terms of places I would like to live, maybe forever, I do like, you know, it returns, probably returns. Yeah. That's a great one. I love that Gotham. Yeah. This this one is, is not quite there for me. Um uh but I I I think Jack Nicholson is still one of the best jokers. Uh I, I think it's up there he's up there with Hamill and 
and Phoenix and um and himself obviously. Um I'm not yeah, I like it. It's it's not I don't think it's the best Batman. I think the best that the best Batman to me it's weird because it, it's like a weird tie for me between like the dark Knight, which is super good and mask of the phantasm mask of the phantasm is so good i love mask of the phantasm figured you'd say that yes um as far as like, bad or, what it's not bad or good i just figured yeah there's um i i I think there's more fun Batman movies that I've enjoyed a lot. Like, I think uh, Return of the Joker is very fun. I think that um, Begins is fine. I think there's other stuff going on. I think the Snyder Cut of Justice League did a lot more justice for that character uh, than the Weeding Cut. I think that... um, if we we turn more to the shows, I think Kevin Conroy to this day is still probably my favorite Batman. And again, who's to say what what uh, Robert Pattinson is going to do here? We still don't know. Um, but I I like a lot of what I'm seeing here. The 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 Batman movies that came after this were certainly influenced by it. Uh, so much so that Joaquin Phoenix and uh and I, why can't I think of names today? Um, Leto? What? Leto? Yeah, Leto, on record, have said that they were directly influenced by this man, uh, Jack Nicholson. Very obvious. Very yeah. obvious. And, and honestly... I think they build off each other with each they, one. They do build off each other. And what, what's, what's even more interesting is that Jack Nicholson had a very distinct effect on the comics to the point where they reimagined uh, the Joker in a more Jack role to, uh, and he's, he's a, he's a comedian, but he's also like dangerously mobstery and, and violent, you know, cause uh, it, we, and now that we've had the comics for a while, we know now that there are three Jokers and that, there's the mobster, the practical jokester, and the psychopath. Uh, each one based on, respectively, Cesar Romero, Jack Nicholson, and Heath Ledger. And that is a direct thing in the comics that they have taken from the movies. When the movies potentially do it better than your own source material. <laughs> it's true. Well, it's true, though. But, but again... The, the the movies were influenced by different eras. You know, this is also based on the 50s era, the 80s era, and the uh, and then the the most recent era with Dark Knight Metal and all that, where we have a more psychopathic, violent Joker. So th- there is it is directly from the source material and all that, but also. They take as much from the comics as the comics took from them, which is which is beautiful about it because these characters and these roles are iconic, and they will continue to be iconic. Hmm. Any favorite scenes? So, 
as far as I know, I love the, uh, actually, I'm watching it right now because I have the movie on, is the scene um, where, oh, God, what's her name? Vicky Vale. Uh, what? Vicky Vale. Yeah, is in the um, the shot with Nicholson and they're having the conversation and then she pours the water on him and he's like, oh, I'm burning, I'm burning. And then he just like walks in. This is that really like the the face makeup's like off and everything. I'm like, oh, I love it. Perfect. <laughs> the makeup is actually really interesting. Normal makeup that they used at the time, Jack Nicholson was allergic to. So they had to create in invention for Nicholson to put on his face and then they had to figure out a way for him to wear that makeup and then wear other makeup so that that makeup could be melted off with water when she throws it on him like it got nominated and I believe possibly won an Oscar for makeup wow <laughs> yeah I mean that's, that's awesome dude like I love it I love it and then this chase scene after oh it's great. <laughs> Good yeah, stuff. My gosh. Well, does oh, it just golly. say before you go? What? Is there anything else you want to say before you go? No, I'm good. I appre- appreciate the quick being all the great. So I'm going to get going, boys. I'll see you next week. Scram. How? Yeah. Bird. yeah, the. Uh... To me, it's like what he said about uh, looking Gotham. For me, it's more of just like context and what you're trying to do. Because like obviously, this is this Gotham is going to look different than Schumacher's Gotham, and Schumacher's Gotham is going to look different than Nolan's Gotham, and Nolan's Gotham is going to look different than um, Todd Phillips' Gotham, and then go- that Gotham is going to look different than the show Gotham because like it's all <coughs> contextual on what you're trying to do. Well, yeah, I, I mean, it's a character in and of itself. Right. Um, so, like, for me, I don't really, I don't really, like, hold on to Gotham as, like, one universal identity or how it has to look a, look a certain way. And it all depends on what you're doing for me. Because, like, this Gotham looks good for this movie. This looks great. Like steampunk 50-ish no 7 no I really don't know what era this movie is they, everybody has a Tommy gun 30s, 40s, so. art deco. 30s 40s art deco just like grimy and disgusting but yeah yeah industrial um, yeah it, get, it gets a little bit more got it gets a little bit bit more gothicy and weird in the next one and then eventually Schumacher just adds a bunch of statues and <laughs> uh, next thing you know gothic and neon signs I don't mind the neon signs. I will actually appreciate. I actually appreciate them more. They show up a little bit more in returns. They get really heavy in the third one. And then by the fourth one, there's like neon people. Like they have glow in the dark makeup. And you're like, what's going on? But <laughs> the statues, the buildings, the size of statues really fucking bothers me. That, that to me is just too crazy. This is why I love this. Cause it's like, it's, it looks like the old 50s and 40s cartoons, but like it's it's still the 80s. So I like I do love that. It's it's practical, but it looks old. It's just I love sets. I love sets, and like I love a good set design, and that's absolutely what this is. It made me love old movies. That's All my right, that's Peter. my in terms of what my 
my favorite Gotham might be. Shit, the new Batman looks like a great Gotham, man. Gotta say, I'm willing to adapt to the new one, man. That fucking Gotham looks dope. All right, Peter, your turn. We've kept you. We've we've held you back long enough. No, I just I just like I like giving the spotlight. You know, <laughs> I think it's uh okay. Where to start? I'm I'm with you, Chris. And you're in where we share the same generation. Right. Uh, I I grew up with Christian Bale's Batman. Um. A lot. <laughs> I never. <laughs> I I think honestly, I think I this is the one that I watched the most. Uh, all the other Batmans, the other three Batmans after this, I've maybe watched once or twice. No, probably twice in my life. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't even think it's a nostalgia thing. I think I just like the aesthetic of um, Nolan's Batman universe more, uh, but not that much. I I have read comics that I have a better just view of Gotham, in my opinion, something that I just adapt to or appreciate more, how they adapt Gotham. But the biggest thing that I took away from this, watching this again, is Tim Burton's ability to translate his art style into any medium, just like Wes Anderson. Yeah. Wes Anderson has been mm. able to do stop motion and live action, and so is Tim Burton. And it's it's like the same it's the same idea. You can you can once you watch a movie of any kind, whether it's stop motion or live action of Wes Anderson or Tim Burton, you immediately know that it's a Tim Burton or a Wes Anderson movie. It's always been like that for me. Like I'll immediately know it when I see it. I really appreciate about that, about this and how he's always been able to adapt himself into these universes, any universe. Uh, I, the the um the characters themselves i wish i got to see gordon more gordon has always yeah. been an important character to me in batman and that's just a personal thing so i don't know if i don't i don't know if that's just me being biased or not but gordon always seems like an important character when you know when in something involved with batman get used to it so that kind of bugged oh, me <laughs> uh the joker character i really appreciate i don't know why jack nicholson just has never done it for me even as a kid i was just kind of like i don't really yeah mm. but i i appreciate this joker a lot more than i did before right especially the makeup because coming out of a vat of nickelodeon goop Uh, like the fuck what are you gonna look like and i and i like that um nolan's universe it's it's way more grounded than this like the ledger's joker puts on that makeup but this this one i kind of like more where he comes out like the comics looking like this motherfucker 
and has to put on normal people makeup <laughs> to try and disguise himself because he's, I don't know, self-conscious or some shit. I don't oh, know why. I was wondering why. Okay, I was mixed up at that scene where he goes oh, yeah. to dinner with Kim mm-hmm. Bassinger. I was mixed up. So, like, she throws Wait, the with- water. No, she throws the water at him and he splashes in in, 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 her, in his face. He comes out and he's got, and I was like, why is he all of a sudden co- covered in coffee stains? And why does he, or how did he get makeup? How did he get makeup in his hands already? It's like, oh, wait a minute. The human makeup was the makeup. And I was just, yeah. You know but what? Peter, My mind's blown. Peter's nailing a really interesting point, which is it's another Tim Burton thing, which is I'm a freak and I have to wear this like normal mask to go out in the real world. Mm-hmm. The, right. And that's, I think that's why I like this Batman a lot more looking at it in that perspective because he Bruce Wayne is truly himself when he is Batman not when he's Bruce Wayne so that's right. why it, it although it bugs the shit out of me that he's just kind of like twiddling his thumbs when he's Bruce Wayne uh and then when he's Batman he's like you know himself but I I get it I get why he is like that in this but I I like um I li- I just like Nolan's interpretation more where he's he's capable in both being right. Bruce Wayne and Batman but that's just being more grounded. This is a universe where a guy fucking falls into a vat of acid and he looks like a goddamn clown and then this other dude's <laughs> parents dies and he's also like a millionaire or multimillionaire whatever the hell he is and he instead of going to therapy just turns his trauma into a nighttime vigilante and dresses up as a bat and just beats the shit out of people. I understand why it can be goofy and why it can be serious, but I always like dark and serious shit more when it comes to this sort of genre of superhero stuff. Like Spider-Man, I like when he's kind of in between both He's a jokester, he's goofy, but there can always there can also be serious shit that happens to him. And I appreciate that about Batman too, but Batman's always been more of like a serious character to me. I don't know why. Um but watching this again, and I'm <laughs> I think that's the question in everyone's mind when they think about him, which is I don't know why. I think the better question is like there's so many ways to interpret a rich at a rich crazy dude dressing up as a bat and beating up criminals all night. Like there are people who take it way too far. Like the most recent Frank Miller, dark Knight stuff where they're like, yeah, dude, he's just a cop fascist beating up people. Cause he thinks he can with an outfit. Like it's fucked up. And then you have the fact that you really nailed it in the eighties. Then you have the sixties one, which is all goofy. Then you have the, these ones, which is like the medium between them and Nolan's. And then you have the next one, which is somehow going to be a different interpretation of what it is than Nolan presented. Like there's so many ways you can look at this character and yeah. this world us have us accept it. The thing that I find the most interesting is Tim Burton out of all of the filmmakers is the only one who came out of an animation drawing background who's approaching a character that originally came from an animation standpoint. He's like the only one who understands the details. He has such a detailed Gotham because he is an animator. It may not be realistic, but it's more detailed, I would say, than the Gotham in 
uh, Nolan's because Nolan picked a different city for every movie. Every movie's city is different for the requirements that it needs, which I right. also find very interesting. This one, he picked the second one because of heat. This one feels like a comic, but it doesn't feel like the Batman comics that I fair would look up. But it does feel like a comic book. I understand that, and the especially the shadows. Shadows are very important when you're if you're trying to learn how to draw, animate, or whatever. If you know how to do shadows, then that means that you know how to draw something on paper that's three dimensional in your head. You know that automatically if you know how to do shadows correctly. You you have a full understanding of shapes 2d shapes that are actually 3d it's it's really fascinating hellboy um the hellboy comics are just are just amazing the the artist for him is just incredible incredible he can just have a sharpie and a piece of paper and you just you know exactly where everything is even though that 90 percent of the paper is is just sharpie black and it's just all shadow and i really appreciate appreciate that in this movie the shadows look like they're drawn like the um, when he had the bat suit on and he was in his uh, he was in the bat cave and the chick like was walking up to him. The, the shadow that was going over his cowl, it, it looked it just looked like it was hand drawn. It looks so cool. And there was even a hand drawn shadow at the beginning. The first thing we see of Batman is a hand drawn shadow I'm like, damn, it's so good. It's I think so, he's also so good. Black and white looks. I wonder how this movie would look in black and white. There, there are a lot of scenes in this movie that are overcast. Mm. When he, um, first when Bruce Wayne saw Joker, I don't know. It was like the some some central point. Um, and Joker attacked that one guy with like the feather or some shit. Mm. Yeah. Oh, that, the uh, that, yeah. That looked. Uh, that almost looked black and white. If it wasn't mm. for um showing people's faces honestly like the cars in the background i wonder if they were trying to wash out the film or something and just like isolate the characters because it really did like the even the taxis the yellow taxis are fucking gray in the background it's really weird Hmm. and the bat cave is just blue and black and gray it's it's i really appreciate the aesthetic of this film the most um but the other stuff like the casting i like jack nicholson but i i honestly don't know what it is i i think i just need to watch this movie more and more and more to fully understand why he just doesn't really do it for me it might be because of the outside bullshit that was happening to tim burton and like the having prince just be played for the joker it just is like this does not fucking fit at all at all <laughs> probably my favorite scene with the joker was when he um lit that guy on fire with his hand and he melted yeah. into the chair and then he just starts fucking talking to him and it's just the camera's just on him it's not moving and he's just like mm-hmm yeah uh-huh oh uh-huh like fucking dora the explorer dude you're like oh my god he's psycho he's psycho my second favorite was when uh the camera zoomed out 
when he was talking to his hench. Was his henchman's name Bob? Bob. Yeah. When he's talking Bob. to Bob and he's like, find me this this girl. I really like her. And the camera just zooms out and there's just pictures everywhere all over the floor. And you're like, oh. It reminds me a lot of the Heath Ledger, uh, not the Heath Ledger, but the Jared Leto pull up when he's like, find Harley Quinn and he's got all those knives and everything around him. Yeah. That's, that's, that was probably taken inspiration from this. They probably took I'm inspiration not, from this movie. I'm not going to lie. I don't want Jared Leto anywhere near associated with any of these jokers. Yeah, I, I, I never want to see what they cut out. Apparently, there's a lot of it. Don't I, care. I, God, it's it's either I like the Joker or I don't. And I, I never rank. I've never ranked the Jokers. I've never been like Heath is the best or yeah, I've never done that. I just like it's either they do it for me or they don't do it for me. Right. Leto did not do it for me. And mm. Jack, Jack is teetering for me. He's I'm on the fence with Jack. I don't know what it is. I I think he's a good like cartoon Joker. But I whenever I think of Joker, I think of like, oh my fucking god, I never want to be in a room with him. But this one, I like if he shot a guy and I was in the room and like he's looking at me, I just fucking laugh and be like, fuck, please don't kill me, dude. The fuck is wrong with you? And then he might leave me alone. But like, Mm, I, I, I don't know. I, I just I don't I don't fully get it and I don't know if I'm just not getting it yet and I just need to give it more time so that's why I'm not giving it a definitive thing right um, I love love your I love your test your measurement of a joker which is what I want to be in a room with him and no I would not want to be in a room with this guy I would not <laughs> nope. nope don't shake his hand exactly right. I wouldn't want to be in a room with uh, Jared Leto's Joker just because he would just make me hate just hate he just but the thing is he would annoy like, the shit out of me and I wouldn't know where what to what to do with that I'm like he could kill me but like fuck I hate god he's so annoying what's up with Le- his laugh doesn't scare Le- me Leto disgusts me uh Joaquin Phoenix uh I empathize with him which is what would make me get killed in the first place um uh, Ledger scares me. Legit scares me. Like he just freaks me the fuck out. And then this guy, uh the problem with him is that he was never ever nice. He was never a nice guy. He had fun playing with people, but he didn't do that constantly. He was either playing with people or a dick. Now he has a sense of humor about it. And that fucking scares me. That freaks me out. Like he just laughs about anything. And also, he's cruel. And those two elements, I think, work very well, especially when you see a version of that in The Departed. Because in The Departed, he plays another crime boss who can do anything he wants. And there are scenes in that where he's just kind of like, mm-hmm, I'm looking for a rat. And you're like, these choices <laughs> are crazy. But under him, he works. Because if I was in that room, I'd be scared shitless. The power he has. The ability to do what he wants in a city that does not give a shit. All of that kind of like as an idea works for me here because it's here. And I do think it's in his performance. Do I agree with what you're saying? Absolutely. Like, could I could I see what he's doing and be like, yeah, I'm not that scared. And if I laughed with him, maybe he'd let me go because all he really wants is like validation for his attention. Sure. Like, that's what a clown is. Just someone wants a validation. Is he more of a clown than he is a scary clown? And 
I, I honestly think, yeah, there's scarier versions. I think yeah, Leto's. Just I don't think he's ever. Yeah, scary. No, he he doesn't scare me. Even the even idea, if I was in a room with him, I'm like, you're fucking like 50, dude. It's his I'll eyes. Kick your ass. This is one of my favorites. <laughs> <laughs> he says at one point, um, uh, that <laughs> I, I he's like, he says at one point, I'm smiling for real, like I'm smiling again, as mm-hmm. in I'm actually smiling because when he's not smiling, he's smiling. That's the point of the joke. He always has a smile on, doesn't have one. At least this version of it, they had to fix his face so that he always has a smile. Watching it this time, I'm watching his eyes. That's how you know what his intention is. Mm-hmm. So if I'm in a room with that guy, he gives me a look like I want to kill you despite that smile. That's what's scary because he's going to want me to actually look at the smile. And he's going to find a way to make that funny before he kills me to do it. Because he's going to want that smile on his face to match the look in his eyes of murder. He wants mm-hmm. the murder smile to match. Like that, all of that as an idea scares me legitimately of, of an idea. <laughs> but again, to, again, I, all of this, I agree with what you're saying. All of this is about style over the story. Not necessarily substance. There's thematics there, but it's story. And that's why... Um, uh, uh, Batman himself mostly just stands still throughout the movie, and you keep that camera far away when someone's going to do a kick or a punch. But he's, you know, if you ever see him, he's like, Psh. yeah, yeah. The cowl, the cowl really bugs me in this movie because real, real, real quick, real quick, can't fucking turn his head. <laughs> real quick, Peter, I'm gonna knock on wood. If we ever get famous enough, and you beat Jack Jack Nicholson, you walk up to him like, like you're like 50. I can kick your ass. He's way older than 50 now, dude. <laughs> I mean, no offense to him. I'm not like it's just. First of all, the Joker is not scary because he can beat up Batman. It's not that he's a violent person. It's that he has. That. No, I'm just saying. I'm responding to what Chris is saying, which is that Joker <laughs> is, that, it's funny is uh, physically intimidating. <laughs> well, yeah. If, some, if anyone had a gun to my head, I'd be scared. But like, right. That guy had a gun to my head. Chances like could be like it could say bang. Or for make a joke, he might let me go. Like I could befriend this psycho, maybe, <laughs> His face. and then run run to the fucking hills. No, I would just do. The only reason and... I say that is is the scene that I'm on right now. He's throwing money in Gotham Square, and it's just this fucking parade, and Prince is playing. I'm way, be- I'm way before you. I'm way just, before you. He's confident as Bob, but he kills him. Yeah, I was like, what. What the fuck is this? When he, when he, Jack Nicholson, like you first see him turning onto the corner in that parade and he's dancing, it just, it lost me. I don't know what it was. It just lost me. I'm like, all right, I don't fucking. No, like. I care anymore. <laughs> but the, the scenes with Batman and his, all his tech and gear, I really like because it, it feels like his cartoon or comic book gadgets and, when um especially i don't think i like the batmobile as much as i like i like the um god what's it called the it's is it just called the bat where bat his wing. the batwing bat wing. Yeah. thank you, there you there's two of them so the batwings oh there are two of them 
I really like the Batwing in this a lot, especially when it went up into the moon. It just it was perfect, dude. Like I I like that aspect of the movie, the aesthetics, and it's just like let's just have this thing fly through the city, and we'll look from the ground up, and you see these buildings that are like bowing into the view of the camera and the cl- it's overcast but it's at night and you see this bat wing and it just looks like the bat symbol just going over the city and you're like oh my god <laughs> we're fucked here he comes uh i really love when the bat wing is going between buildings that's very star wars but at the same time it's so beautiful i really love that it it's, looks it, so care good it's great um uh in terms of your villain stuff what I like about this Joker is that while he is a goofy son of a bitch, while the, he is making jokes and slapdash and being a clown, it is all tied to the maniacal nature of who he is as a villain. Keep that in mind as we continue to see more villains and they continue to act like the Joker, but have no reason to. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Bit more interesting when you get to like the Riddler or Two Face, yeah, and like Poison Ivy, and like I don't, and like Penguin to a certain extent. But I just think the even though he is a like cartoony person who is meant to make you laugh to a certain extent, two things a Jack Nicholson was actually a clown at one point in his career, and b that is the point to him. He wants people to like him so that he can do whatever the fuck he wants to them. Like he just wants power and things so that he can sway them for his own amusement. He wants to be loved. He wants the press. How is it that a man dressed as a bat gets more press than me? Like he wants all of that, but he wants it so that he can do whatever the fuck he wants with it. And it's actually what Joker does in The Dark Knight. He wants the city as his plaything. He wants everyone to be like him. Like, I do think those aspects are here, but they are absolutely tied to his behavior. And I at least like the fact that that is appropriate here, considering Schumacher, I don't think understands that at all. <laughs> yeah. Um, I really, really just, I couldn't, I couldn't try to give a fuck about this Lois, like knockoff Lois Lane. She couldn't pick a lane. Huh? Lois couldn't pick a lane. No, she couldn't. (laughs) Fuck. Lois was in the wrong lane. I I like the idea of him having a love interest in this movie, but I don't know. I, 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 I agree. It did not do it for me, especially when it would go back and forth between Bruce Wayne and her and I, I don't even know his name. The guy, the funny guy who she works with. I don't remember his name in the movie, but the actor's name is Robert Wool. Yeah, him I thought was funny, and I was laughing, but then right after he talked, I'm like, this isn't a fucking Batman movie. Like That's just, the, that is the John Peters, I would say. It just didn't, it didn't fit in this puzzle. Even though it was like, yeah, it just it just didn't. It was funny, just I didn't get it. And then it's just going back and forth between her and him, and he's like trying to get with her, and it like kind of got unlikable. at one point. You don't what? walk up to a you do not completely unlikable. You do not come up to a guy or you don't come up to a woman and be like, "What's up, legs?" It's like you've already First failed. Plus, you've already plus, failed. 
lots up to him. And Legs is still awful. I'm not defending that. However, he does do heroic things at the end of the movie. He does, yeah. I just just don't care. Never about shows it. up again. Never shows up again. He's still a pig. Ever. Get rid of it him. was it was it was pretty Sex. weird. Um but yeah, the all his name is Jimmy Olsen. Really the the okay. other big thing that didn't that didn't that was fit the, the <laughs> I'm sorry, but I needed sorry, that. I it's okay. Oh, Jimmy Olsen, thank you. The, the other big thing that didn't fit the movie or like the story, I, not even the movie, just the story was when Joker killed like the the closest and most loyal guy he ever had. Like why I, I out loud when I watched this, I said, "Why the fuck did you do that?" The Joker. Nah, man. <laughs> oh, let's no, go. Check it out. Gonna, let's go. I'm not going to sit here and have a guy be like, I don't understand the logic of Joker. It's time to duel. I didn't say that. I said, why the fuck would you kill the guy that's going to be by your side no matter what? The Joker knows that, dude. Especially when especially when Batman is flying around his fucking parade trying to kill him. It's not the first time he has failed to kill Batman and Bob has been involved with it. But also, that's the scary thing about the Joker. You could be his best friend, but it doesn't matter. He's a crime boss who feels that he has the power to do with whatever he wants with whatever he wants. You think he even cared if Bob had taken the Smilex gas or died on any of these missions? No, he never cared about Bob. It's the same thing with Peacemaker. It's like saying, well, it's like sitting there being like, you know, Peacemaker should actually sit there and have a relationship with his father. No, his father fucking sucks. And he never gives <laughs> a shit about his kid. The Joker is evil. He's super evil. And you can try to laugh with him and try to be his friend and maybe get away. But the whole point is you could be Bob and you could still die. Yeah, I, I guess it just it fit into what I imagine the Joker as is yes, he's crazy. He's psychotic, but he's also really smart. So that he that just with chemicals. He used to be a chemist. Apparently it just, it just yeah. didn't, it didn't, it didn't fit what I was seeing the Joker as is him in this movie, getting, getting on TV, manipulating, uh, consumerism at that point putting like joker gas in all these products well, that's uh, the 80s yeah yeah it just i don't know i mean it's in the dark night what does the joker do he's like i'm gonna go on tv and i'm gonna kill some people i'm gonna you know point batman out what does he do in this one he goes on tv kills some people he's like batman come out and play like he does joker shit yeah I, I get what you were saying, and the consumerism thing is absolutely of its era. And I think that is absent in Nolan's movies until the Occupy Wall Street bullshit of Dark Knight Rises. So nobody is innocent in this capacity of taking this character and not getting some element of either fascism or metaphors out of the whack. Which is why I love the fact that Burton kept it simple. I think the craziness and the weirdness is probably Berg and um, 
the other guy, I, I got our uh, goober. I, I think those two goober. guys, they, they, they brought in Robert wool. They brought in all this crazy stuff. They wanted to bring in Robin. These things could not be added in the, in the times that they could. And this is the element that they got. I also think the other aspect is Burton had his vision of what the film was, which is mostly visual and his vision of the character, which is mostly blueprinted and, and kind of, bare bones like it's a good examination of who bruce wayne is as a character but like it's also very bare bones but it doesn't involve the story it is what the story is but that's very much it and in doing so it allows for scenes to robert wool to go crazy and it allows for scenes for jack nicholson to go crazy and it like it allows him to walk up to the end climax and not know what he was necessarily going to do with it. So while I do think he understood the world and the characters very well, I think he kind of let the story fall by the wayside because he saw it as nothing more than a whatever thing. And that's the truth. Tim Burton saw this as kind of like an, an action movie, kind of like a, an adventure thing. He saw elements that he could add to it that would strengthen the themes and the characters, but story-wise... I think he was just like, yeah, this clown and this fat guy are fighting each other in the city, and one day they stop. Let's add a woman in there. Let's add a funny dude in there. Gotcha movie. So I think to a certain degree, yes, the story is very weak, but I do think that he understands the characters in the world very well, and that shows. But yeah, those weak parts do show in the Joker, in Batman, not necessarily Bruce Wayne. Certainly Robert Wall, certainly in Vicky Vale, um, and certainly in Alfred. Why the fuck would you let her in? Why is Robert Wall? Uh, yeah. Why is Alfred hot blocking Bruce Wayne the entire fucking movie? Why does he care so much about this woman? Jesus Christ! He never expresses himself like I want a better life for you. He's just like, oh, I let her in, you fucking idiot. God damn piece of you get laid. <laughs> what was like the, uh, <laughs> at the beginning of the movie? Um, it was like these two detective guys, and there's like that really fat dude. Yeah, died, uh, do you know who that is? That's Porkins from Star Wars. I knew Chris is gonna do it. Uh, oh, he again? Why is it the third time? Uh, Sean Young, and then freaking whoever it was before that, and then now Porkins got shot by Jack Nicholson in this movie. Did honestly, I think he had a. <laughs> I think he has a better Batman voice than Michael Keaton did. <laughs> this. Michael Keaton was the first one to make the decision to lower his voice. Yeah, it, it is It is smart, but that guy was like, he could voice act Batman. Sure, I agree. He could if he wanted to, yeah. But I really liked the beginning of this movie. It was just some noir shit. Some detectives come on to some crime scene. It was cool. That fat cop of the of the fat cop from Batman Begins. Right? That's who I thought yeah. that was. Yeah, I, this, it, a Eckert. sleazy, yes. fat, Eckert. dirty cop. His name is Eckert. Oh, God. Um, th- those are really yeah. the main things. I watching this on mute. I I think I like it more, but just because when it. When it's on, um, when it's on Batman and he's just going through the city, or he's in an alleyway, or I'm at the end, I'm at the third act now, and he's he's in the 
chapel thing. Mm. It, it, I look, it feels like I'm just looking at a comic page and I appreciate that so much. So, so much. It really, this could be black and white. I feel be interesting to watch it in black and white, but especially these Batman shots, it it's just, it's just shadow and then piercing light. And it looks so good. Here's one thing I did want to point out about that. Uh, about that finale. Is that the, that's the first time that I can recall that there is visible damage on Batman's face. On his non-covered up face. That's the first time that I can remember there being visible damage on his face. On Batman or Bruce Wayne? On Bruce Wayne's face. On the Bruce I Wayne mean, part of the Batman mask. I mean, it's hard to say what's in the next three movies whether that's the case. Still. I don't remember it. I don't remember in the Kilmer one. In Batman Forever. Uh, I have no idea, dude. I don't I, think so. I just but, remember yeah. the like Mr. Freeze, Two Face, the Riddler, like, and then Possibly. just being so fucking over the top that I just shut that shit off. Really, possibly the next, and then maybe, maybe, um, Affleck had some blood in his mouth. I don't know. No, he did not. Oh wow, you paid attention. Okay. Yes. Okay. Um, I'm telling you, it's the smaller things that, like, freaking, that I there. that I catch. Ends lips. Sure, got it. I'd have to watch. Um, yeah, I mean, I can see Michael Keaton has some pretty nice lips, you know? They're very... That's, they're very that's, I mean, yeah, his lips are one of the main reasons he got Generic it. Hollywood white man lips. No, dude. He has the, the least whitest lips on any white man ever. They're, they're incredibly interesting. I, honestly, I, for the longest time, I thought he just had lip filler. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just what I thought. And then I And then I looked at, like... His like watched his some movies where he was really young, like this especially, and I'm like, oh my god, maybe he's just gifted with some good lip genetics. Um, yeah. God, where I was going? Oh, I'd have to watch the Christian Bale ones again to see if he right had blood in his mouth or if no. He was Wait till up. we're done with these because that's the oh, point. Oh yeah, no, I'm not going to res- do that now, dude. Absolute response to Batman and Robin, and that's that's the interesting thing. Like you, get, like there's camp here, sure, but we're going places, baby, and we, we are. We're yeah, crossing. I, we're crossing the street of the absurd. Pass return. I am not ready for that because even as a kid, I was not not interested in that shit. Uh, from I guess just... earlier, what Alex was saying, I'm I. I think this new Batman, the Robert Pattinson Batman, might be my favorite. I don't know yet, but aesthetically, it's so fucking dark. Even the the poster did it perfectly. It looks, it just looks like it's a comic. It, it looks so good. Um, and he looks like he got the shit beat out of him in every fucking shot when he's got that bat costume on. It, his face looks bruised and bloody and shit. At one point, he was like covered in mud. What the fuck? Anyway, 
I want in the new movie for him to be in the suit the most and for us to see him as Batman the most. Because the in most of these movies, there's a balance between him as Bruce Wayne and Batman. True, yeah. I want a live action Batman movie where I enjoy Batman more than Bruce Wayne. And I like I like Michael Keaton, but I like his idea of Batman. But Batman is not a fighter. He's a guy that stands there and is intimidating in his suit and like has to blow smoke because you don't want to see him move awkwardly in that suit. Like all all the <laughs> that I think Christian Bale is interesting, but the the neck thing hasn't gotten me yet. I don't know. There's just something about him as Batman, and it is the voice. The voice doesn't help at all for Bale. But an Affleck is Where's still Affleck is a great Bruce Wayne. That's a great character overall. And his Batman is great too, but there's not enough Batman versus Bruce Wayne because like he's not the main it's not a Batman movie. It's a man. Also Superman. Joss Whedon. Uh I'm just talking about Batman v Superman. Justice League Justice League is ruins him as he's way more Bruce Wayne than he is Batman in Justice League. And when he's Batman, he looks awful and drunk. And th- like the new Batman <laughs> Hoping, I'm hoping Pattinson is in that suit the most, and I'm hoping that's how we see him the most, and that's what we—that's who we relate to the most. Him in the world of Gotham, where all this crazy shit is happening, is what I want. I want Gotham and Batman, not Bruce Wayne trying to help Gotham, because that's there, sure, like, but I don't want that this time. I want to yeah, see I- what. Ahead, I don't Peter. think I think this is probably going to be my favorite one out of the four, of course, but yeah. I'm, I'll probably find more appreciation for it the worse we get with these movies, uh, especially with like the the tone. Um, but yeah, I like whenever we see it, whenever we see Michael as Bruce instead of Batman, he's like he looks all right, looks like he just showered. He's he's got a button up tucked into his jeans. Jeans. He's just like some eighties dad, but he's Mr. I, I, I'm hoping that the this new Batman movie, because we we have seen clips where he's not in his bat suit, and there's one where he's just in a normal suit, and he's at that meeting or something, and that car goes through the building. Yeah, the first one they put out. Um, but then we see him hunched over his desk he's like holding on to his desk reading something or listening to something that the riddler was saying or written and he's got like the bat makeup on him still he's got like the the big black eyes that are kind of like melting off his makeup it looks like he just got done with the bat shift and he just got home and he's like fuck oh a bat shift <laughs> i wish i wish i got to see Keaton like that where he got home and he's like fuck oh, I need a shower oh my god um I think this is going to end up being out of the four I think I've I think this is going to end up being the best Batman movie and but it may not be my favorite of the four that we watched two and three it's going to be one of those two I think this one has had has had a, a massive impact on me as a human being but the second one is really weird. And the third one is not bad. So the fourth one is garbage. So, yeah. It does think, not get think, better from me. Either way, it does not get better from here. No, I think it gets better. I think there's some things about, I think as a, 
the Batman movie, I don't think it gets better than this. At, yeah. In terms of movies, I think there may be aspects of the next two movies that may elevate them more as experiences of watching a movie more than this might have. But I, I like there's a lot of villains in the next one. I'll tell you that much. I know. Uh, so, like there's not a penguin, lot of Batman. Dan DeVito's Penguin. Uh, Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman. It's basically Catwoman's movie, and that's not a bad. That's not a bad thing in my point. In my opinion, Batman is basically Vicky Vale in the next movie, mm. and it's. I don't think it's a bad thing. I think there's good things about that movie. It's just not really a Batman movie. It's more of a Gotham movie. If Gotham was a TV show, it would be Batman Returns. Right. That's that would be my stake on it. So uh, as a grade for this movie. Um, coming back to it, it, it's not nostalgia has li- lessened some of the goggles. Like as a movie, there are some holes, there are inc- incomplete inconsistencies with the story. But since this was aimed for mas- basically like twelve year olds up, I see where they felt like they had a, a bit of leeway to it. As an action film, I don't think it's that necessarily that strong. But as like a movie. And as an experience, there's a lot of great things about it. There's a lot of great magical things about it. I think Keaton's a good choice. I think the look of Batman's good. The look of Gotham is good. Joker, his his look and the performance is good. And everything surrounding those aspects is excellent in terms of how they're developed thematically and visually. Vicky Vale and Robert Roll, I can take a leave them. Um, Prince, don't necessarily need. Yeah, why the fuck? No. John John Peters and all that no. stuff like it's there, it's visible. I don't need it, and it takes away from that. And they would the story would be stronger if you spent more time on other aspects than them. But I get what the point was here, which was to make something that's supposed to be fun, but take that thing seriously. Not make the thing serious, but take that thing seriously that people are supposed to have fun with. It's a fun movie but we're taking Batman, the idea seriously, not necessarily taking the movie seriously as like tonally or anything, but we're seriously taking Batman, the idea serious. <laughs> like that's how they view it. Like you look at this and it's not six. Bow, zoop, whip, like Joker killed his dad. This is a revenge movie. Like he's killing reporters. Like the very first thing that happens in this movie is a prostitute solicits a child in front of its parents. Gotham is fucked up, dudes. Yeah. But there's there's some elements in here that are there to stay that I really do enjoy in that aspect. And they're going to get fucking weirder in the next one. Like Batman, when he immediately finds out that Jack Napier is the Joker, he's like, okay, I'm going to kill him. Then he finds out he ki- kidnaps Vicky Vale and he's like, what does he do? He goes to his hideout, which he knew the whole time. He drives his car in, which he's not in with a remote control. uses a drone. Drops bombs in, murders every single motherfucker in that building, and then people he's like, died. All right. Yeah, people died in this movie. He thought he killed the Joker. Then he's like, "All right, Joker dead." Like then he finds out Joker's alive when he sees him in the helicopter, and you could probably my favorite shot of the whole movie now is. <laughs> Oh, there's a lot of things I love in the movie, but like one of my favorite shots is when that happens and he turns around and sees the Joker in the helicopter and look on his face is like, God damn it, I should fucking kill all these goddamn fucking other people. God damn it. Like he's supposed to be in the building. I love that. Like this movie is dark, 
it is weird. It's for 12-year-olds up. So for that reason alone, I want to give it like I mean, the very fact that Vicky Vale is going to give the Joker a blowjob before Batman punches him in the face, like, this movie's... <laughs> I, I, I want to give it... I give it a B plus. I just don't feel... That doesn't feel fair. But I... I, I want to say... I want to say A minus because, like, it's not the strongest representation of Batman because you know that Burton and the writers didn't necessarily love him. But... It is a fun time. Like, it is good. So it's either an A or an A minus. Uh, I want to say. I want to say A minus. I think this is an A minus. Yeah. Yep, that dude's dead. He just That's fell several stories from the tower. There's a lot of things I love about this that have nostalgia goggles, but at the same time, it would have been stronger and better if certain things had been cared about more and just not I thrown agree. in because they thought they need. They thought. Like Robert Wool and Vicky Vale are in there because they thought there needed to be some comedy and romance in there when really this needed a stronger story and that weakens it a lot. And that's about 25% of this movie. So yeah, I would say a minus for that reason alone outside of that, what makes this movie great is Tim Burton, but the story would have been stronger and the next movie. I don't, I think the story is interesting and more uh, focused, but the thing they added for sure is more Tim Burton. So I'm I'm looking forward to the next one, but I'm really looking forward to Forever now. I think Forever might be the one that I come out of this the most being a little bit more patient with, but not necessarily loving. I think the second one is going to be the one that I appreciate more as a movie. Uh, so A minus. Here you go ahead. Uh, my favorite part uh, of the movie was the third act. Um, when Batman's fighting Joker in the, I don't know, it's a, is it a chapel? What the fuck is it even called? I think it's a chapel. chapel. Okay. A chapel, yeah. That's, that's probably my, just my favorite part of the movie. It looks so good. It, it looks perfect as like. It's great. For this for this universe, Tim Burton's universe is Batman and the Joker. It fits that third act very well in that chapel where he's dancing with her and he, you can see that he just wants affection. And but, you know, he's killed a lot of people. So bye bye. Push him off a fucking ledge. Right. Uh, his death is really awesome, though. I really like his death where he's yeah. somehow still intact after dropping like hundreds of feet. Again, every time, every time we have a villain that falls very, uh, that dies from uh height, falling up from a height. I always think of Ma from dread. I actually, yeah. that's I how it should that, end. I watched that movie just the other day. I watched dread again, just the other day. And, you are up. and I, um, yeah, I couldn't help but like compare him like that. That fall was a long fall, just like this one. But this Joker in this movie fell and plummeted to the ground, just like Molnir in Thor, just like huge crater, and he's fine. <laughs> it well, felt like a cartoon. I liked it. You can actually and the fact see that him. He was laughing. You can actually see so, him blink when he's lying on the ground too. And I always yeah, like to imagine. That's his, his body's twitching. voluntarily twitching. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> it's pretty creepy. I, mean, 
There shouldn't uh, be much left of his body. My, I think the best shot is the, the last thing we see, and it's the bat signal up in the sky, and Batman's on – I don't know why. I'm, I paused it right now, but it, it, he's on, like, some sort of construction <clears throat> or some side of the building that's not finished. I don't know. He's standing on some, like, poles or something. It just looks so good. It, it looks like it embodies this movie, and I, and I like there's, that. There's a lot of great shots and a lot of great moments coming back to this. Really mm-hmm. love it. Yeah, definitely. And I'm I'm happy that this is two hours. I was I was a little scared at first. I'm like, ah, I hope this isn't really quick. But I don't think it should be actually two hours. It could have been longer than an hour and a half. That's what I wanted. And I'm glad for that. But some of those Joker scenes just like kept going. And I was just I was losing interest. I'd take Robert Roll out again. I would Yeah, I don't man. He, I don't think okay. you need the party like he could have met Vicky Vale in a whole nother way. Could yeah, he could have just kidnapped her and just yeah, yeah. Um, unlikable pig. I like the score a lot and I like the makeup a lot, but the miniatures, the miniatures are fucking awesome, dude. Mm. Almost, almost all that car chase. It looked like miniatures in a good way, and the that final shot of the chapel when the camera's panning up, that's just a miniature. It's just, it's so detailed. It looks so good. Um, stylistically as a Batman movie, I'll give it an A. I think it's pretty, pretty good. Um, listening to it though, as a movie, when I'm not watching it on mute, it kind of goes down and I don't know if it's just because of the campiness. Um, but, but when the music's playing, I'm sold when it's not fucking Prince, I'm sold. I really, I really like the, the soundtrack. Uh, it just, it matches the intimidation that Michael Keaton's Batman has. And he's not a huge fighter. He just kind of like what Alex said, he just kind of stands there. It's just intimidating. His huge, Wide shoulders just <laughs> cowling over you. Uh, and I really like that he has little sticks in his in his cape, and he like holds it up. It's so cute. I love yep. it. He's like, I I know he, I know Bruce Wayne is really excited to jump <laughs> off a balcony towards someone. He's like, I get to hold the little sticks in the cape. Look, I'm a bat. <laughs> sticky day, sticky day. Yeah. Um. A as uh as batman style movie really like it but as a movie itself i don't think it's an a in my opinion i think it's a b or a b plus i just i might just need to give it more time but the story is pretty bare bones and i like a i like a very thick superhero story like i like having a bigger message to everything. And this movie had that. It's a revenge movie. But it also just wound up being Batman killing someone. Which I like. I like it when Batman doesn't kill people. And he doesn't use. He uses like lethal force. But I, I just like that. I just like that as a I, char- Batman character more. I like that he limits himself. I do. I, I do. think people died in this movie. Oh, there's <laughs> a lot of people that died, but I also like it when 
the villains are like, why don't you kill people? Why, why don't you do that? Because when you don't, we just come right back. That's why I like Daredevil a lot, too. They just keep coming back. I, I do. Uh, I think that the. I think I may have lost my thought, but like I, I really the, the thing about the oh, oh, it wasn't necessarily the killing thing. I don't give a shit whether Batman kills or not. Just give put it in the movie as to a reason why or why not. Like my problem with Batman Ben Affleck killing people isn't that he kills people. It's how indiscriminately and violently he does it. It, it seems like he's taking joy in how he's doing it. He's and that fun. is that's fucking crazy. That's fucking crazy. And I don't think that's the case here. I think. There's a sense of vengeance to him wanting to blow that place up, but continuingly with the fact that Joker is killed and tortured this city forever with terrorism. But what I think is the important aspect of this film is that they are two sides of the same coin. And that is an arc for him. It isn't that he doesn't kill people. It's that he is as crazy as the Joker, but he's using his crazy for his for good. Whereas the Joker is using it for absolute fucking evil. And by being the man who created him and seeing how he in turn created him, I think he was like, okay, I now understand you and I understand me. I cranked you up to 11 and you made me who I am today. And I'm going to, I'm going to be both of us now. I'm just going to kill you and I'm just going to end this where it is. And I'm going to continue being Batman. And that's why I think the, aspect of him being the side character i guess in the next movie makes way more sense because he's already gone through his arc in this movie and i think that's how burton feels whether you think that's the way it should be whether that actually makes it a better story in the next one i think that's how he viewed it because i haven't talked about the most important thing about all of this well tim burton does make this movie and he didn't have the best time he makes the next one and it's on the promise that he could make a Tim Burton movie, not a, just a Batman movie, but a Tim Burton movie. And even that is an experience that hurts him. And I'm I'm going to get into the reception of that movie. So how does he decide that he wants to follow that up with? He wants to make a Superman movie. With Nick Cage, and not only does that thing get far into production, but there's a documentary about how that got into production. With the actual, was that the death of Superman Nick lives and what happened? Yes, with actual footage of Nick Cage's Superman. This guy was done with Batman. He wasn't done with comic books. He was done with Batman and these producers. So like, I, I, this guy has a love for like how these characters within these worlds are presented because in these worlds that they're presented in as comics. They're bare bones as it is. This is the idea of a man dressing up as a bat because he has the money to to beat up people because his parents were killed by criminals. That's all you need. That's all you need. If you want to go further than that, you can, but you don't have to. <laughs> that's uh, that's there. That's all it is. Um, I think he got bored after this movie. So I think this this is Tim Burton's overall story of Batman. I don't think he knew there was going to be another one that he was going to get involved with. He made his definitive version of it. This guy dresses as a bat because a clown shot his parents. He eventually, because he indiscriminately couldn't save this guy, 
created a clown that does the exact same thing that he does just evilly in his own city. And now that he understands that, he has to be a better person. And if you be a better person, you got to continue to ghost your girlfriend. <laughs> you got to continue to ghost. <laughs> and hopefully she'll be fine with it. And the next movie's like, what if Batman's girlfriend was just as crazy as him? <laughs> so <laughs> I Burton's idea of how people should live in a world that pretends to be normal and expects you to be its version of normal is all he's really focused on. So uh, the fact oh, that Peter yeah. was like, if he was more focused in on it, then those other producers wouldn't have been able to slip in Robert Wool and Vicky Vale in the first place. He's mm. that is what he cares about, which I think is merit, but that's that's it. I think that's his arc. I think that's the story. The story is Burton thinks Batman's an interesting character. That's it. Chris, what's your All right? What do you think? Okay, I'm not gonna set for me personally, like Batman, there are too many different iterations of batman for me to confidently like grade it on a on the terms of what a batman movie on on the scale of a bat what it is as a batman movie like there's too like there's too many like different iterations and like variations of it for me to be like oh this is what a batman movie is i'm just like like for me i just can't go there so i'll just grade it as a movie um as a movie I'm hovering it around to be. I do like how it looks. The sets are great. The performances are good. I hate that the Jabrams look alike at the obnoxious pig. And <laughs> like serious, I just uh, just put glasses on the man. He's he, he is JJ Abrams. Um, I better not lose a Hollywood gig because I'm trashing JJ Abrams on a podcast I made in 2022. <laughs> I'm a little bit chubbier than. J.J. Abrams. Whatever. Um, but... Bad hair. Bad hair. Um, you got a bad... You got some bad hair, Harry. Um, so... Yeah, like, the sets are good. Uh, Danny Elfman at his best. But, like, yeah, this... Like, I guess... There was a bit of a culture shock to see a different iteration of Batman than what I'm used to. Yeah. And, like... I'm not saying that as, I'm not saying that negatively, but like, and it, that is uh, that is rather unfair to look at it that way. But um, it is a reaction to the first. It's the second one that it's the second popular one. So the first yeah. one from the sixth is everyone's first one. This is in and of itself a reaction to that. It has to, in some way, embody that, but also at the same time be like, we ain't fucking this. We get that it's that, and we get that you guys love it, but we're not that. So, like, that tone is there, but mostly they're trying to be something else entirely. And then they go too far, and then we get Nolan. And then he goes perfectly, and everyone's like, how do you make it better? And it's like, make him bigger and bulkier and, and like, really cool looking. With a really badass voice. Um, And I I guess they're continuing that angle with Pattinson, except they're going, like... I, they're Young, going the char- dumb and full of cum. <laughs> they're going the character route with Pattinson, which I like. It seems like my hope is we start that movie with Batman and the movie reveals Bruce Wayne by the end. That's what I want. Ship the layers of Batman to get to Bruce Wayne. Maybe it's the other way around, but that's my hope because most movies 
represent both at the same time and meet in the middle. And I don't know. I'd like to approach. I want to see more Batman, Batman. That would be what I want. Don't care if that's not what it is. I'd like to see what it is. But I think this movie understands. I think this movie is more interested in the character and not necessarily how that ties to every aspect of the story, which is weak. Yeah. So you're you're thinking of B right now, then? I'm thinking of yeah, B for Batman. Um, B for Batman. That's where I'm at. <laughs> if we rank any of these higher than an A, then which Zach has a- already done, then you're doing it wrong. <laughs> a minus. A minus, man. Uh, I mean, for the meme, B for Batman. Oh, ha. Hey. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm hovering over like a B. Because, like, I really like these performances and seeing Jack Nicholson actually play the role, like, start to finish. Instead of just, like, bits and pieces and only hearing what people say. Like, that was, like, nice. But, like, I still don't, like, recognize that as my definitive Joker. Even though that's not. That's, like, a different variation. Like, you really saw how hard it is to rate this as a Batman movie for me. (laughs) Like, you know how hard it is. Like, there's, there's, like... There's the serious stuff. People are saying that's Batman. There's the Romero, there's the Adam West Batman saying that's definitive Batman. There's this that people say is definitive Batman. There's a Batfleck that people say is the definitive Batman. I'm just like, listen, guys, it is what it is. Like, it just depends on what you're making. I'm just gonna like. It, it's I think just, it's not yeah. fair to ask the question of definitive, and I think it's more about which one you think best represents your idea of Batman. Batman can be presented many different ways. Like the same guy has presented him both well and horribly Mm -hmm. in his own light. Like it's about how you see him. That's why he's such a very character. So many people see him different ways. He's a nice rich man with a horde and we're going to solve crimes throughout the city. And I talk really goofy. Like you can do whatever you want. Like it's how, you think the character best fits your representation of him. And the fact that they keep giving us new and different ones is kind of both unfair and cool. Like, if they just cooled it on the Batmans, you'd be able to pick one. Like, right. we just got Affleck, and he was good and then terrible. And now we're getting this one, and it looks excellent. And we're also going to probably get him for at least one other movie again. And there's two TV shows being talked about from this movie, so like, and we're getting Affleck again. And we're getting Keaton again. Cooler I, uh, on the Batman. Yeah. <laughs> I, I never really felt like I needed to find, like, my definitive Batman like that. Right. I like that there's so many. Like, there's so many Spider-Men. I like that. I like that it's just... He's so malleable as a character. I think your Spider-Man is my Batman. I grew up with two... Ke- I grew up... Uh, with Keaton, like Keaton because of Batman Returns, but Batman Returns was always too weird for me to truly understand as a kid forever. I keep those two Batmans were on TV and I was like, whenever I want to see TV Batman, there he is. But forever was the first one I remember as a kid being like, I'm seeing this movie in a theater. I'm prepared. We're going. I love Jim Carrey. We're doing this. And it was, I didn't even care that it was Val Kilmer. I was like, who gives a shit about Batman? I love Gotham. I love these worlds. I love anything. Like I had a lot. I loved the idea that surrounded about Batman, but I didn't care who the fuck Batman was. Like who gives a shit about Bruce Wayne? I love the suit. 
I love the mask. I love the cities and the lights and the backdrops. And that trained me very easily to not care about who wears the suit. You guys learned from Spider-Man, for sure. And while at the same time, having Wolverine lay his groundwork through every film that changed around him. You guys had way more variety in how you viewed these consistent characters. I had fucking Bond showed up for the first time, and I only liked one of those movies. And then Batman, who's always different. My action movies were like Speed and shit like that. Always different actors, always different scenarios. But Batman changed every time because the movies needed more money. <laughs> like, they needed more money. That's what happened. Like, Burton gets too weird in the second one. They want more money, and we get Batman and Robin. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> we got a We're going to need it back Sora. years from now. Um... Oh, yeah, there you go, everybody. 1989 Batman. Interesting movie. B uh, for Batman. B for Batman. Better than B. So um, by the time we review this next one, would we have seen I'll, the Robert I, I will have seen it. I'm pretty sure I'm going to see it before we record next. Okay. Well, I, all right. It's so we record on Sunday. The movie yep. comes out on Friday. Thursday. Technically Thursday. Uh, at do seven. I, do we record worship? Oh no, we might not be able to see it on Thursday. So, has anybody already bought tickets? No. We can we can figure that out off air. I was just yeah. curious. I was just if anybody had bought tickets already. Um, yeah. So yeah, we can figure it out. Uh, um, pressure, 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 pressure. Uh, I would say Friday or Saturday is probably we can... good for me. Yeah. For yeah, I was just curious if we were going to, like, watch both of these Batman. Bat- What's the next one called? Batman Returns? Returns, yep. Yeah, it's cool. I'm, I'm, I've already done just about as much research on both of these movies as I'm going to get done. Maybe I'll watch Edward Scissorhands, but, like... I know that shit like the back of my hand. So I'm going to watch this movie maybe once, listen to the score a few times, but like I'm, I want to save as much time as possible to go see that Batman, watch certain things throughout the week, finish Peacemaker. Like, yeah. I'm, I just, trying get, I'm trying to get ahead of my work. I was just curious if we were going to have like that movie as a section for the next episode, like both Batman movies, like we did with Matrix for this episode. I would assume. All right, let's get out of here. All right, see ya, bye. Peter's <laughs> question: What a cliffhanger! We should do that movie as curiosity. Um, Hardly nowhere. Good movie, but yes, curiosity is fine. Cliffhanger is great. In honor of Peacemaker, and hopefully Alex gets this joke. I don't know if you caught my earlier hint. Hashtag release. The truck snatch cut. No. <laughs> Dang it. Peter, did you at least get it? Next time, baby. Yeah, truck. Snatch. All right. Goodbye, everyone. Bye. Bye.